everybody, and welcome to episode 519 of Vidge Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparas, coming to you from the Brandon Swellow Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. Uh, Brandon Swellow is Swellow because he's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash lasertime at the $20 level. And if you want this Memorial Studio named after you, you can be too. But who's joining me? The Wilhelm Dream, Chris Antista. Nice. <laughs> and... To cite a cutting-edge current meme like a boss, Matthew Allen. <laughs> and returning for the first time in years, it's special guest... It's uh, the Diamond Dog, Dave Rudden. Diamond Dog! Oh, this guy. So great to be back at Chris's uh, uh, dinner table. Wait, yep. no. What, what, yep. what has happened? We moved are, everyone back into his apartment and evicted <laughs> the current tenants in order no. to, uh, <laughs> to, to recapture the magic. Uh, and we went all the way back to the dinner table days? Like, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, you yeah, know. I, I forgot there was the uh, Tyler Wilde room with the nudie uh, light switch. The nudie light switch. Oh, yeah. right. Been there yes, for years. Yes, of course. Which I have to imagine the new tenants didn't replace. No, no. They, they kept it. That's the baby's <laughs> yeah. room. My, that landlord begged me to come in and like, I need to, these carpets are terrible and there's all these dumb light switches. And like, I don't care. And I wonder if like I was still having podcast guests in that room like, there are titties all over this light switch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I would care. I do have, have like female guests. I'm not very friend. I don't know very well. That's not very on putting. Hi, game developers. Uh, Welcome to my uh, yes. Hello, my apartment. <laughs> and, uh... This is a lot of uh, risque <laughs> inside baseball for a show about vich games. This is the t- yeah. This is the titty room. Yeah. Uh, so so Dave, we we are having you on not to talk about nudie light switches, but because you came up with our top five idea this week. Oh yeah, which and... I have not done in uh, well, actually, I do it all the time. Yeah, you do. Uh, but yeah, this is one that I just really thought was a neat idea. Um, kind of, uh, inspired by a lot of Nintendo stuff recently. Um, like I, I started replaying, uh, Metroid Prime because of the remaster, which has something that may be of pertinence to this mm-hmm, list. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I think like a lot of people, I kind of spent a lot of money on the Wii U despite not playing it in years. And one of the games I bought was the Punch-Out Wii, uh, which also may, uh, be related to this list but it yeah so the the um to, to spoil already two-fifths of the list uh it got me thinking <laughs> Thanks, about <laughs> when the final boss of a game uh you was in a previous game but not as the final boss yeah yeah, yeah. when a, when mm. a flunky or a henchman gets promoted to final boss in a sequel right. and we all thought that sounded like a really fun idea and yeah so it's a it's a promotion i can be publicly jealous of <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like the opposite happens quite a bit like a previous final boss might be kind of an underboss in a, in a future game, or sometimes he joins the party. We've yeah, done shows based on that that's before. That's more likely like, the, the Marvel principle, like the villain becomes like, well, he's going to be your sidekick for a little while. Yeah, or yeah, the merchant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he'll, <laughs> he'll switch sides for as long as it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, uh, or and, he'll be Red Skull yeah. in Infinity War <laughs> and just totally unexplained. But your, your Bowsers, your King D to D's. But what True. were you going to say, Dave? Oh, uh, well, the other reason for this list is because, sorry, Michael, I have to find out this way, but I have been promoted to the new boss of Video Game Apocalypse. So oh, shit! not doing that for 300 episodes. I'm a flunky again? God I'm kidding, it. I'm kidding. I may, may not even make it to the second segment, I guys. accept the demotion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and and what new releases to talk about? Uh, yeah, sure. we got we got a bunch of new releases. It's kind of a an, an unusual week. We got a remake of Sherlock Holmes: The Awakened Ooh. to talk about, which was the like 2002 Sherlock Holmes Frog Wars game 
where he investigates the Cthulhu mythos. Mm. It's fun, and we'll wow, talk about that. that. Sounds like oh, two two yeah. flavors I hate mixed together. To come <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, no, well, you know what would have made it really pertinent to this list is if uh, Holmes got promoted. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, uh, what, what's Watson. his name? Watson, Watson got, got promoted. promoted yeah. Yeah. Cthulhu got promoted. Yes. Well, well, Watson was never an enemy, though. I think that's the qualifier, yeah. right? They had to have formerly been an enemy, but not a side show, pick, Holmes, right? sit the fuck down. It's my case now. Yeah. Whoever was Cthulhu's Moriarty been promoted to Jesus. If that guy got promoted. Yeah. Look at me. I'm the detective now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we have some news, but... Uh, uh, News news that d- barely qualifies for video games got me super excited because we like to play audio on here. Uh, I'm breaking format a little just because I was so excited. Did you guys see they found the original Wilhelm scream? I did hear something about that. Yeah, the original ADR recording. Yeah, the original ADR recording. Uh, it was done for a movie called Distant Drums. And the guy had to be dragged underwater and eaten by an alligator. And he had to, record, he had to go in the <laughs> studio and record. What does that sound like? And then it sort of went away for a little while, and then uh, a guy took an arrow to the knee in a Western movie, according to my notes, <sighs> called Some Western, and that <laughs> popularized it with people Spielberg and Lucas's age, and they proceeded to use it in every movie. It was popularized in Star Wars, and this scream has since appeared in God of War, every GTA, every Red Dead, mm-hmm. uh, That that's just this, every Saints Row, It's the, the scream, that actual scream from 1951 is in everything. And they unearthed the original ADR recording with, like, stage directions. And can anybody do a, a perfect Wilhelm impression? Ah! Yeah, it's roughly that. Ah! <laughs> now, what's what's the scream called that I always mistake for the Wilhelm? It's a little more like, yeah! Like they do a, goofy, I think it's the cartoon. Yeah, the goofy scream. scream yeah. The goofy <laughs> scream. But, uh, yeah, they found the original Wilhelm scream. If you ha- and I've been obsessed with the audio because the guy's like, no! <laughs> so the, this dude, this poor dude has to find it in less than 20 seconds, which isn't a natural scream. Like, have you, have you no. ever, like, truly screamed? Ah! <laughs> it's it's the sound of an elf toppling over the walls of Helm's That's, Deep. I think George Lucas popularized it in Star Wars because the trooper falls off the ledge, and it does have, like, kind of a Doppler thingy. It doesn't make a lot of sense for a guy being dragged underwater. But uh, here it is, the original audio from the 1950s, the unearthed Wilhelm scream audio. Man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. Okay, right Oh! Oh! Totally wasn't worth it. <laughs> that was a lot of setup. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I did put the, the raw audio in there. You could, there, he did three takes, and they're all pretty similar. And this is just twenty seconds of unearthed audio. This is re- this is real. Ah! <laughs> ah! I think that's the one. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> I think it was the first one. The first one is the one that I recognize. Yeah, just that yeah. classic. I read it was the fifth one. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Oh well, it's uh, that that uh, is it's a classic uh, pterodactyl we could, sound. 
we couldn't hmm. find a yeah like a hundred and no like eight hundred podcasts ago we couldn't find a sound effect mm-hmm. for Ripley for Metroid for Ridley um, Ridley well, sorry I, and and that and, and there was a guy who did vocal impressions of every animal <laughs> and <laughs> I'm a pig. Oink. Oink. <laughs> oh, it's not awful. <laughs> yeah, but th- that's the thing. You're like, find me a Ridley sound. I'm like, what? Just use like a pterodactyl sound. And you know, it's one of those things that, in retrospect, you realize like, what the fuck does a pterodactyl sound like? Yeah, nobody no knows. Uh, I guess it'd go a little something like this. Last time. <laughs> 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 and we have the listeners send in pterodactyl their own Ridley noises. Like, what? You... <laughs> uh, the, 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 yeah, what's what's most common in the pterodactyl call is them running out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a sec- for a second, I thought you guys had like sent away for the 2008 equivalent of cameo, and I, like. Look, there's a guy on the internet who will make you know a pterodactyl noise. But that's, send 15 that's bucks. What, when we were making yeah. the podcast. The yeah. remember the boss is like, do we have the rights to all these things you play on the show? And like, these were rights free sounds, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and that was the, that was the only rights free animal sound effects you could use. This one guy, moo, <laughs> nay, <laughs> wonderful. All right, well, let's begin with number five. Uh, who is this, Dave? Mr. Sandman. Mm. Yes, Mr. Sandman. <laughs> God, you almost almost did it perfectly. Yeah, from uh, Punch Out Wee. Yes, oh. he is the final boss on Punch Out Wee. He's better known, of course, from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! on NES. But before that, he was the original boss of the arcade Punch-Out! He got, he got his own little little uh, voiced intro. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Introducing in the red corner, the champion of the world, Mr. Sandman! This AI voice acting is out of control. Yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> I re- Almost as good as Chuck Norris's performance in Rock A City. I really would have thought uh, Pizza Pasta was the final boss of Punch Out in your game. Pizza Had it. I'm starving. <laughs> so progressive. We're all, we're all going to extreme pizza after this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. Just take a few flights, but uh, <laughs> I'll be kicked out for vaping <laughs> again. What was up with pizza pasta? That was like Nintendo at its most racist. Uh, <laughs> yes, I suppose, but it's like you know, you say racist, but like people couldn't really travel very easily. Actually, no, vodka Drunkensky was vodka Drunkensky's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, and if you worst. see the Punch Out Wii game. I just remember Tyler commenting, Bear Hugger chugs a bottle of maple syrup. As you Because do. he's from Canada. Yeah. And Which, it's like, oh. we all know that Tyler pours it into a spoon and drinks it that way every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. It's true. He, like, like dips it in his monocle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I always assumed that was moonshine, because Bear Hugger kind of has that look to him. But yeah, no, that makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. It might have been, been, I don't know. No. Wait, that was a, no. It was the, it was the latest. The, that's the last Punch Out. Is it 2014? No, uh, it was 2011. Yeah, it was, no, it was like 2008 or nine. Nine, eight or yeah. nine. It was really yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is the last Punch Out game. Depressing. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I wonder why why Sandman got. This wasn't 
Mr. Dream? There was another. So Mr. Dream was the uh, the white replacement for Mike Tyson, which I found out is extra unimaginative because the original bout with Mike Tyson was the dream match. After you'd, you'd beaten Super mm-hmm. Macho Man and won the world championship, you got to have the dream oh, match yeah. against Mike Tyson. And so now it's just like, uh, Mr. Dream instead. <laughs> they so, should have called it the Tyson match with Mr. Dream. Yes. Make up. <laughs> I agree. Uh, <laughs> yes, sponsored by Tyson Chicken So, right. so yeah, yeah Punch-Out! <laughs> on NES is technically the second Punch-Out! game. So Mr. Sandman is it, is got demoted. Is the third? Hmm? I think it might be. The, I think there might have been two arcade games. You might be right on that. There's the, yeah. There was the arm wrestling game that was kind of the same like group, group of characters. I know Bald Bull is in it. Hmm. It's, only, it's only it's only funny because Nintendo. We we were talking. I, I found this out when they were marketing their DS. How badly they wanted a two screen game. Punch Out was a two. It's why you can't like emulate it or it can't be brought over anywhere. It's a two screen game. Right. Um, and and that's. And Nintendo lost a shitload of money because they were buying two giant CRT bright 1980s monitors per per cabinet, and they basically had to do double business. Okay, and didn't. So you were right. Uh, mm-hmm. There is Punch Out at, in in arcades. There is Punch Out slash Boxing on Game and Watch, and there is Super Punch Out. Super Punch Out. The 1984 arcade game, not to be confused with Super Punch Out. The 1994 Super NES game. And it, to make it even more confusing, a lot of the characters in that 10-year remove Super Punch-Out arcade end up in Super Punch-Out. Bear Hugger dates back before Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Sorry, mm-hmm. I love Punch-Out. You can even see him on the arcade flyer, played by a real, I'm going to guess, Japanese wrestler. <laughs> well, an American bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, what would you call him? A tall guy that used to wrestle in Japan. They love their monster American. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it turns out when you only release a game every 10 years, your naming gets really confusing because you can just call it the same thing every yeah. single time. <laughs> yeah, so I can only imagine the kid in 1994 who had a giant arcade machine put under his tree when he wanted a Super Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Carvello's punching challenge. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, b- bottom line is uh, Sandman started out as the world champion, was eventually demoted, and... Uh, Really demoted by the time 1994 Super Punch-Out rolled around because he's not even the champion of the world circuit anymore. He's not even on the world circuit. He's the champion of the major circuit. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he, got, he got got demoted even further. But then, uh, for whatever reason, in Wii, they bring him back. He gets the big, like, thump, like thundering, stomping entrance that, like, the boss of Super Punch-Out originally had, the 94 one. I have to specify which one I'm talking about now. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and yeah, he just kicks your ass and looks quite a bit different in the Wii version. Like, he's, he's, even though he still weighs 284 pounds, like, he looks like he's lost a bunch of weight. It's, he, he's kind of a, a chubby guy before, and now it's all muscle. But, uh, yeah, kick, kicks your ass, uh, says things like bedtime, and mostly just <laughs> roars a lot, and really, really has fun with it when he, when he beats you up. <laughs> and he's going to use his dark po- boxing powers to take over the world now, because he failed. 
<laughs> I, I presume. He is, he is one of my favorite punch-out boxers because he is fairly consistent in all the games. Mm-hmm. N- not every boxer is. That's true. And he really you know, his have... original name was M. Bison, but they had... Oh, wait, different series. <laughs> different series. Yeah, and one thing I like about Punch-Out! Wii is that once you fight through and become champion, you are, go from the contender track to the champion track where you have to defend your title and you fight all the same guys... But they all have, like, done something to address their key weaknesses. So, like, Glass Joe has, like, you know, a sparring bucket, a protective face thing. And, uh, to, <laughs> totally to protect legal his head. Boxing, Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I think King Hippo has, like, a manhole cover yes. on his belly. Yeah, really and he, awesome. he just duct tapes it in place, so you have to keep punching it until the duct tape comes off. Yeah. And Mr. Sandman, like... Just gets a really ugly haircut. <laughs> like it just looks like he shaved it all except for like two shark fin things coming out of the top yes. of his head. That, that was now. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> they really, he really there. should have uh, leaned into all the sleeping puns. Like, yeah, he, yeah. he yeah. kind of does. Yeah. I'm gonna hit you with a pillow blow. Oh, you'll see how punks go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I'm gonna kick the sheet out of you. I got a bunch more. I've written them down. Oh, nice, nice. I I I got to go uh, meet some hookers after the fight. I don't know. I'm just thinking like a hook, a right hook, left hook. Oh, oh, I was very confused. But when you when you punch (laughs) him, that was me. No, that was you know, I wasn't a joke. You know, when you punch him, uh, Z's come out of his his head. Like you know, every every boxer has like a thing. Uh, Glass Joe, you punch the croissants out of his head. Yeah. Uh, In Doc Lewis and Doc Lewis's punch out, when you punch him, like little Wiimotes come out of his head it's crazy yeah it turns uh, out again, this guy's just had not... narcolepsy the whole time and you've been <laughs> taking advantage of yeah, that that's yeah, fucked yeah. up man it's hard to call it racist it's it's just just because it's there's no malice intended but it is even in the last punch out game nintendo had stereotypes all over the place mm. despite <laughs> pe- those being called out at the time but you know whatever it's i think people call that a lot when it comes from America, because we have a long history of oppressing and exploiting people, and the Japanese do not necessarily have that. And, yeah. <laughs> but but not like of the French, or like, yeah. or, or like, or, or Mexicans, or like, that's why. <laughs> um, yeah. And talk to a Korean sometimes. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Korean boxer stereotypes in Punch-Out. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's true. It's Nobody they have a huge beef with. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, that was it's an interesting arc to go from being champ to lower tier to lower tier to champ again and then getting your ass kicked by little Mac of all characters. Good lord. I hope I hope the series comes back. Me too. I really really it, loved it. And it, I have, we yeah. have to compare we always compared like Monster Hunter to it. Like you basically have to learn like 3 to 6 ticks that a, a boxer or yeah. a monster shows you. And you learn how to defeat it's it. It's training it's- for Dark Souls. Every game yeah. should have bosses with obvious tells that tell you what their next attack is going to be. And that's what Punch-Out! does. It's it's yeah. like, I think uh, a friend of the show, Brett Elston, compared it to... It's not a... Secretly, it's not a boxing game. It's a puzzle <clears throat> game. It's, it's a puzzle game, yeah. yeah. It's a reaction-based puzzle mm-hmm. game. And we didn't, I, I didn't know to like, a fucking Iowata ask, like, what was this dude's telling? He's like, oh, it was the uh, journalist in the in the stand in the background when he takes a picture. Mm. It's bald bull during his charge. If, yeah, you, if you time your about, punch right when the picture goes, you, you get him every time. I had no idea. And I managed to like lock it down. I could do it consistently, but I wasn't using that at all. It's so clever. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty well, awesome. If you have a really and, and, good stereo system, you'll, you'll also hear him say, what a story. 
yeah, and, and, and one of the, another reason I love the Punch Out games, um, if you delve into the history of it, uh, it was kind of one of the first Nintendo games where they drew the characters first and then tried to figure out how to map that into video games, whereas Mario only came together with a mustache because they couldn't draw a mouth. And there was no way to make distinguishing facial features. And like, oh, look at his mustache. You can see where his mouth would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could draw it in eight bits. <laughs> uh, but but Punch-Out, they laid it out on, like, graph paper and then tried to recreate it. Because, you know, you're only hitting, like, the hitboxes on the original Punch-Out characters is very small. Stomach, face. <laughs> yep. The rest of it doesn't really do anything. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So I think early on, they're the most distinctive Nintendo characters ever. And, and they kind of remain that way. And it has that Street Fighter charm. They're all from a different place. Yeah. They can taunt you in different ways. And in the Wii Punch-Out game, they take that theme and then redo it for every nationality. Oh, yeah. Uh, for every boxer. So there's a French mm. Frenchy version, uh, a Latin-flavored Punch-Out theme. It's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. And I hope it becomes available. But the reason... I wasn't excusing Nintendo's stereotypes. I was just saying they're kind of more harmless than the ones we tend to call out, but I think it's kind of the thing that'll keep this game from being not only remade, but re-released. Mm. I guess. Why why court that controversy? I guess we'll see, but uh, we can always hope. We will. Um, but for now, let's move on to something else full of stereotypes. Number four. Sorry, I meant something else by Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> what is that? That's uh, Ridley, believe it or not. No, it isn't. We just heard Ridley. Yeah, that's that's that is true. Ripley, or sorry, Ripley. Ridley does sound a lot like uh... last time. <laughs> it's it's like it's like we're actually there, yeah. listening to a podcast from years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like almost 20 years ago. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Hmm. And here's a dumb thing. For, like, every time I try and find this file, I can't. <laughs> when I first started making podcasts, this sounds so dumb in hindsight, but I'd never really worked with giant audio files. It wasn't easy to cut your own MP3s. Instead of making, like, file version one, I'd like, shit, I didn't like that one. I'll just rename the file Somehow, on the eighth take of recording that Ripley thing, I'm like, I'm just going to call it Ridgely. Mm. So now in my brain, I call it Ridgely because of how stupid <laughs> I was with naming files. <laughs> Why wouldn't I just call it one and two? <laughs> if you look at the laser time theme, I'm like, ah, fuck, this is the fourth take. Two two E's and an M and two E's. Like, that's how I'll distinguish this file. <laughs> and it's Lord. still there. <laughs> yeah, it was so dumb. It was just, it was, yeah, I don't want to hit those numeric keys. It takes too much time. Yeah, I, I I don't say this enough, but I really want to give a shout out to the fans of Talk Radar, our old show, who went to the trouble of putting together a comprehensive wiki and archiving a bunch of these episodes on YouTube so that I could easily find which one had the pterodactyl noise and <laughs> yeah. track it down. I, I couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find but it. Yeah. Deleted from the old website. So Ridley believe it or not, uh, from Metroid, started out as the most unremarkable boss and somehow became one of the most iconic features in the entire series. Because uh, that that first game, he's literally one of the mini-bosses. I think Metroid might have been the first game I was aware of that used the word mini-boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you had Ridley and Kraid, and Ridley looked like 
a length of intestine onto which a couple of bat wings had been fastened. <laughs> he was supposed to be a dragon. He, he looked very abstract and tubular and uh, was only slightly taller than Samus. So I I think that's... But you just hit on the reason. Mm. The, the Metroid series definitely has some consistency with bosses, but like just thinking of the term toyetic mm-hmm. when they when they had to like make a smash character and thus an amiibo like who the fuck do you do that with it's like only ripley yeah <laughs> that is the only thing ridley you could see yes. being a 3d object but ridley yeah <laughs> see <laughs> but i can see why in, in, he was originally sort of a stopgap boss because i feel like in early game days like dinosaurs were sort of a default boss that was in a lot of games. It was just kind of like, ah, I don't know, just fucking throw a dinosaur in there. That'd be scary for them to fight, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, you gotta have something for a ninja to kill, right? And so, yeah. like, then he eventually became iconic, like, yeah, but it, because the original boss of Metroid was a mother brain, right? Mm-hmm. It was a yeah. brain. Who didn't do much, just sat there. <clears throat> and yeah. he just... Very, very you, good, you, Michael. <laughs> I wasn't really trying. Uh, you just blow a hole in her in her glass yeah. and then just shoot missiles in until she dies. That's pretty much really, it. That's Mother Brain. Yeah. The threat there isn't Mother Brain. It's the room mm-hmm. within. Yeah, it's <laughs> that atmos- the atmosphere, yeah. which is hard to draw on your folder or on the back. Yeah. A letter to Nintendo Power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, yeah like the 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 uh, have we, uh, have we, uh, as we've uh, referenced a couple times, like when they made the was it. Captain Power or whatever Captain show? N. Captain, Captain N. N. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Mother Brain was the one that got the, you know, promotion, I guess, or the inclusion on the show. Should have been Ridley. Or or Kraid. I mean, yeah. actually, I mean, they both looked pretty terrible in the game. So, um, Ridley, actually, I, I looked this up, did appear in one episode of Captain N, and uh, it was the dumbest <laughs> appearance, because Ridley is one of a bunch of different monsters conjured by an anthropomorphic Game Boy in the episode Game Boy that introduces the Game oh Boy to the cast. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> you see, like, character. maybe 15 seconds of Captain N and his dog fighting Ridley, and it's like this gigantic orange dragon with what looks like a fashionable green wig with, like, a little spit curl <laughs> on the side and, like, some spikes up top. What? They made him, like, a 50s yeah, it's punk, like a, right? Yeah. A reused drawing from Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's he's a like, greaser. If someone hadn't told me this was Ridley, I would not have made that connection at all. But Like, what kind of note is that? Hey, give the dinosaur a fucking uh, pompadour hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that works. It's so a very mean, 80s note. Yeah. So many rights caught up in, in, in Rip Ridley. But if you remember that show, do you remember how much, like, weird licensed music is in, in that? Like, reorchestrations of, like... Highway to the Danger Zone, and, mm-hmm. like like pop hits. Like, why is this here? Why am I listening to like a weird MIDI version of Take on Me <laughs> while Mega Man cries? <laughs> oh, Mega Man! <laughs> yeah, and some of them are just like that. That episode in particular had like just a, a bad parody version of the Monster Mash with all the lyrics rewritten to be about freaks. And wow, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. To, no. The mummy was in bite. <laughs> yeah, not to go on a Captain N tangent, but didn't the Game Boy became like a regular character too? Yes, yes. yes. And, like the last, and season. I think just like Kid Icarus and uh, I forget who we were mentioning before, but like also had a really annoying like vo- voice affectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mega Man, and, uh, Mega Man, and yeah. and uh, Mega Wow, man, Mega, <laughs> Mega Wow. 
That's cool of this. And then the Game Boy would do something dumb. Simon Belmont. That was also another bad one. Because he was he was an obsessed movie star, narcissistic and all that. Oh, my. You know, how we all imagine yeah. Simon talk, Belmont. Talk Simon like Belmont Thurston Howell from Gilligan's yeah. Island. Lovey. Love. <laughs> Look, the, these cartoons were already so crass. Nobody... Remember the show Arch Rivals, which was like a claims like, we'll make our own Captain N mm-hmm. with Bigfoot and basketball players. forward from Arch Rivals. That, that show was called Video Power. And yes, had, Video Power. Was it, was it Max? Nobody had the balls to make the actual console a character, like yeah, not even a no. character from the game, just an object that you can buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that stupid Rubik's Cube cartoon that nobody yeah. remembers. It was a Rubik's Cube yeah, cartoon. Yeah. Um, oh, but Ridley, I, I think, got really iconic in the uh, Super Nintendo version. I think everyone remembers this scream. <laughs> yeah, Ridley shows up at the space station. He's killed everybody at the very beginning. He steals the baby Metroid. He gives you the motivation to go... To the space pirate planet. I've forgotten all the rest of the terms. From the that cover game. star of Super Metroid. I believe he is. Yeah, what? yeah. So he's he's fighting yeah, Samus right there on the cover, like he's awesome or something. That's probably another huge reason mm-hmm. why it became but really synonymous with. Is not the final yeah. boss in Super Metroid. No, right, no, isn't it? no. The final boss is uh, Mother Brain that now has a yeah. body. And, yeah. Uh, but so Ridley has been the final boss in exactly two Metroid games, and they are both remakes. The first one is. Metroid Zero Mission, where he appears early on, and then Zero Mission has a cool thing where, like, after you finish the events of the NES game, Samus's ship gets shot down, and you lose your suit, and you have to play as Zero Suit Samus and sneak around through this space pirate ship and, and try to get your gear back. And the boss in here is uh, Mecha Ridley. That's the sound it makes as it drags itself around. So yeah, it's a big, dopey-looking robot version of Ridley that you have to fight. Mecha! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other one is at the end of Metroid Samus Returns, the, the 3DS remake of Metroid 2, and you get to fight against Proteus Ridley. Yeah, there have been a bunch of different Ridleys over the years. Mecha Ridley, Proteus Ridley, Meta Ridley, Omega Ridley. Uh, It gets kind of (laughs) silly. It it is. But I think none none sillier, because Nintendo never caves to demand. But the demand to make Ridley a Smash character, Mm -hmm. like, that cycle lasted like two games before they caved. And I, I think you... Is Ridley like a boss in like one of the single player? Yeah, Ridley's a boss in two of them. He's he's in Brawl and also in uh, the Wii U one as a boss, okay. and then he's playable in Switch, I believe. They finally and to Metroid's it. fans' credit, they bitched about it because like we need another Metroid character. Who is there? <laughs> <laughs> who, who can who can you put in this uh, game? Malkovich, the baby Metroid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
the remember yeah. me you, guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 <laughs> upside down armadillos. I don't know. Like, who do you who do you put into the fucking? What other Metroid character can actually be represented in a fighting game? I mean, the whole point of the series is it's someone it's 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 a woman who goes to these abandoned planets and explores them by herself. So it doesn't really yes, lend itself and then you to characters. Fight like a cave sized boss that couldn't beat up. You can't have that facing Kirby. You can't have no. That. <laughs> Kirby couldn't fight that that horrible water thing from Super Metroid. That'd be horrifying. Yeah, yeah, can't yeah. have that. So yeah, a purple, fucking purple pterodactyl mm-hmm. with, you know, all consolences to Lockheed. From the uh, yes, uh, yes, that's yeah. what he looks like. <laughs> that's exactly what he yeah. looks like. <laughs> I knew I had that image but, lurking yeah. in my mind for some reason. Yeah, he's, he's Lockheed. They, they do they do change Ridley's image to be more horrific and like with visible bone structures mm-hmm. and stuff as the series goes on. But it really did start out like as kind of a schlubby pterodactyl. Yeah. And well, usually every, every time Ridley is brought back, he also has like some sort of glowing weak point in his chest. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you pull off this armor in one of them. I think it might be Metroid prime that like he flies in and like the armor is actually like hanging loose. Like one of the things just sort of flaps open to show you there's a glowing weak point there. And then it closes. It's, <laughs> it's real bad design. <laughs> Well, on Ridley's yeah. card. Great game mm-hmm. design. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I, want, I want to see my Achilles heel glowing in the center of their chest. <laughs> Were you going to say I actually something? do, yes. I, I want to yes, know I what do. I need to shoot on that boss. Mm-hmm. Fucking trial and error on bosses <laughs> yeah. is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move along to... Number three. All the power that was once yours is mine. Forever. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa representing with which character? Oh, shit. Shang Tsung from uh-huh. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. So Shang Tsung, Mortal Kombat. like Mr. Sandman, started out as the final boss of the first Mortal Kombat, was quickly demoted, then playing second fiddle to Shao Kahn and Shinnok, and uh, then in the, the fifth game... Never! Fifth game, Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. He finally got to be the big bad again, sharing the spotlight with a guy named Quan Chi, who's, you know, this this bald, white-skinned sorcerer who they introduced in Mortal Kombat Mythology's Sub-Zero. It's like, yeah, we mm-hmm. want him to, to be a main guy now. But, uh, yeah, they, they start off, I, I remember that, that was the one that's just like, we're going to shake up everything. It's going to be truly 3D. We're going to have... Uh, multiple martial arts per character that you can switch between, and oh yeah, we're gonna kill off the protagonist in the intro cutscene. It has been Shang Tsung's desire to consume the soul of Earthrealm's greatest warrior. With Quan Chi's assistance, he achieved this goal. Liu Kang is dead. Liu Kang dead? Never. Never. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Shang Tsung was just like, yeah, the old sorcerer who was just like, he's every other character. We don't really have to make a final boss. I miss that trope in in fighting games, by the way. Yeah, me too. Dural was one, Mm -hmm. and... There were, there were a couple others. Punch-Out should have had it. Some guy who can change into every single Punch-Out guy he just fought. Yeah, yeah. It is more interesting than a boss rush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And and then they made him playable in Mortal Kombat 2, and that was like the best thing in the world. It's like if you know the moves, it's if yeah. if you're indecisive, it's like being able to mm-hmm. like, yeah, I want to play as Jax, Sub Zero, and Johnny Cage. I'm good at all mm-hmm. three of those. I I memorize their moves. I can I can do it all in one match. It, oh, it's like MVC three it, it awesome with one player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Kind of, it's good good defense too. You can kind of counter a lot of characters mm-hmm. if you know the the right counters. Now yeah. remind me, I feel like in the first game they reference Shao Kahn. Like you know he exists, but you never see him. Or did we not see him I don't until think you game know two? He exists. I don't think they thought okay. him up until the sequel. They might have retconned it because you know they've since gone through with the nine, ten, eleven right, uh, trilogy. Yes. Like they've kind of retold mm-hmm. the stories, and I think he is mentioned in that retelling. But uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, because the first game is just Enter the Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a dude on an island e- holding a martial evil arms sorcerer Shang Tsung. I don't think you even know about Outworld until the second game. I forget. Oh, um, but I was kind of surprised that, like, I mean, when you brought up Shang Tsung, I'm like, oh yeah, like so, like he didn't become the boss for the first time until like what, like three or four or something? Because I always thought Goro was the first end boss, despite the fact that way back in this room I have a Mortal Kombat one up machine. Uh, I, I just always thought it was like, okay, it's always the four-armed person who's the final boss, but actually, that probably never happened. They're, they're the second to final boss. Yeah, yeah so Goro, never been the final yeah, boss. Goro then Shang Tsung, yeah, Kintaro and Shao Kahn, Motaro and Shao Kahn. Uh, I think... Didn't want to embarrass you, but it is Shang Tsung. Yeah, Shang Tsung can turn into whoever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Goro uh, was always sort of the Sagat of, of Mortal yeah. Kombat. But, was like, but I'm, I'm a little ignorant here because I, I sort of dabble in modern Mortal Kombat. So wasn't he re-promoted to the boss of some of the latter last couple games? Or at least the DLC? Mm-hmm. In the DLC. Goro or Shang Tsung? Shang Tsung. Yeah, Shang Tsung <laughs> was the boss in the, uh, the Aftermath, Aftermath DLC. Right. For, yeah. Actually, he was... One of two possible bosses because it it gives you a choice during the final thing of, of do you want to fight against him or do you want to fight as him, yeah. uh, and you get different endings. You know the real reason that Goro was never the final boss. What? He'd need two right hand men. Oh, this is true. Two yeah. right hand men can't can't trust two <laughs> different outfits. I said two right hand men. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we got you. Yeah. We got you. <laughs> I also find it a tiny bit interesting. Uh, I think, like, let's say Nintendo could have moved on from Koopa, mm-hmm. but all the uh, outstanding media that they made around it, and there are some people who discover Mario through the cartoon or the movie, you gotta bring that guy back. Like, Shang Tsung was the big bad in the movie, and... Mm-hmm. Which lived on in Cable for 20 years. It's a character everybody loves to see. And it's nice. In this case, I think it's real nice to see the character elevated to Big Bad again. It's very comic well, book. And in that one, they literally get the actor from the movie to yeah, come back. Yes. As, as Car- Car- it's amazing. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, face and, and voice. And they really use him well. They give him a lot of time in the spotlight. He gets to be Shang Tsung, a central antagonist and sometimes protagonist. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to be her pawn, not her partner. She sculpted my entire existence to serve her, to collect souls for her crown. When my purpose was served, she betrayed me, casting me into the void. Your grievance does not fool me, Shang Tsung. 
Then trust that we have a shared interest in breaking Chronica's stranglehold on our destinies. Oh, your grievance fools me, because I think you're just great, and I want to see more of you. So. <laughs> I'll never not laugh at the name of the boss for the main Mortal Kombat 11, Chronica. It's yeah, like, Chronica, could every yeah. pot-smoking video game player <laughs> yeah. just think of a video game <laughs> boss name? It's Chronica, man. Not too long, man. Six more days, get folks. That's all we gotta wait. <laughs> then boom, Hitler's birthday. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and the, and the article for celebrating that no longer exists. What if um, Hitler? This is the pot? second podcast this week that was brought up on. I'm so excited. <laughs> really? What was the other one? Uh, Thirty twenty ten. Ah. We we're talking specifically about four twenty. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but don't worry. That dude who bought off Clarence Thomas has a celebration in his private museum oh, of Hitler's yeah, birthday. No, yeah, so. I can walk through his Garden of Evil and uh, check out all the Nazi memorabilia that's inside his house. <laughs> I hate. I hate that I have to defend this guy because i <laughs> saw a bunch of people left who keeps memorabilia of things they hate and i quietly put up my hand would you like to see my snorks figure collection oh, i stop. fucking hate the snorks yes. i have a flintstones I, animation cell like, i love I the people that it. were like it's it's his reminder not to become that way i'm like shouldn't you be worried that he needs a reminder not to become yeah. like hitler just yeah. saying like yeah it's just uh, you know i have enough money it's just kind of you know my default i just it's a natural to tendency be a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> need that reminder I, i'm just stop a history it. buff <laughs> just like shang Tsung. You failed me too often, sorcerer. Over a millennium, I failed you twice. That is unacceptable. Man, Shao Kahn, just uh, not a good employer, you know? I, I actually am embarrassed to admit this. The, the dull, the, the, the small phase of the pandemic, of the first wave of the pandemic, remember the Mortal Kombat movie? I feel like everyone mm-hmm. forgot oh, that yeah. existed. Yeah. And it was awesome, but it was like the first time... I think I was just vaccinated and, you know, kind of were safe and went over to another person's house and I drank too much because I wasn't used to drinking that much around people <laughs> and in public. And I love that fucking movie and I do not remember where Shang Tsung stood <laughs> in that film, if at all. <laughs> um, I think he he was the big bad, but he was didn't I don't remember him being much of a character, honestly. Yeah, because I think, well, they were hinting at a much larger world mm-hmm. beyond that anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that... Just wanted to bring it up because, like, we all loved that movie, did we not? I thought that movie was yeah, great. it was it was fun. Yeah, I thought that I, main I, I character like was kind of cipher but... character. Yeah. That the, I, the, yeah. Oh, what's your fucking superpower? My skin becomes rocks. Like, shut up, get out of here. <laughs> I, I'm gonna let that go. As a huge fan of the thing. Yeah. Um, but, that, but the thing is permanently rocks. This is different. Not all. Like, no. <laughs> Sometimes he yells, "It's clobbering time." Like, <laughs> That's Sam. true. That's true. Now, or David, as a fan of pro wrestling, thing. I think you'll agree that like it's a shame that we we had in WCW there was kind of a Sub Zero lookalike guy. Oh, yeah, we've never gotten Very a true. true Shao Kahn lookalike. He's what? a dude with a skull helmet. Well, Wasn't got that Triple Brock H, Lesnar? I guess, had that skull that? helmet. No, now Triple no. H did did something kind of Shao Kahn esque. But you did. need the, the like the barbarian cross leather thing on your chest, and then the the skull helmet with a huge like. What have you? It's like an emperor's helmet with, with like a skull on the front. It's pretty dope. Yeah, you know? nice, nice. He's got a good look. Shao Kahn does. Glacier yeah. never stuck stuck, ar- stuck around long enough to actually freeze somebody in the ring, which I think was I, the I, end I, game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> his <laughs> biggest regret of his career. You know, it's he, like... did, he didn't, but I, I still love his Gatorade flavor. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's move along to number two. You sure know how to throw a party? No food, no drinks. And the only babe no just picks. left. 
My sincerest apology, brother. I was so eager to see you, I couldn't concentrate on preparations for the bash. Whatever. At any rate, it's been a whole year since we last met. How about a kiss from your little brother? Or better yet, how about a kiss from this? Ooh, he held up a gun. <laughs> Made a cocking kiss immediately. Yeah, kiss from your brother or from your brother's Creepy. gun. <laughs> I guess when this you're like Freudian. the sons of the devil or whatever. So uh, Sons yeah. of Sparta. A devil. Son of Sparta, that's right. Yes. Sons of Sparta. Yeah, so I'm this confused. is a devil may cry. Yes. Uh, Specifically Virgil. Virgil. Everybody loves Virgil. He's like if the main character were cool and collected and had a, a katana instead of a big broadsword. Virgil made his real debut as a character in Devil May Cry 3, which was a prequel. And like one of the coolest things about Devil May Cry 3 was they released a second version. This was in the days on the PS2 in the days before DLC being common. They released a second version that was rebalanced a bit and featured a whole mode that you could play through as Virgil. And you got to use all of his cool moves, and uh, he's so awesome. He did not actually make his debut in Devil May Cry 3. He made it in the first Devil May Cry as a character named Nello or Nero, depending on what you're going with. Nello Angelo. Nello Angelo is how I always pronounce it in my head. Mm -hmm. Who uh, He just shows up in like this suit of demonic armor, and he fights you he's like he's a major recurring boss actually now that you see nero nero means dark and so nero angelo yeah. would make more sense because yeah. it would mean yeah. dark angel nero right? angelo yeah uh so yeah he he, he develops a, a grudging sense of respect for him a man with guts and honor i like that but it's a shame you serve mundus uh nero angelo doesn't talk just fights but he keeps seeing this uh, amulet or locket or whatever that Dante has around his neck and doing that thing like, oh, I can't fight. I'm just clutching the sides of my head and now I flee. Uh, and then in his last fight, he takes off his helmet and he's like this statue version of Dante with glowing eyes and shorter, spikier hair. When Dante defeats him, he finds an identical pendant left behind by this this demon and uh he hears this in his head we fought even then <laughs> and twins <laughs> <laughs> yep twins they are twins that's a good observation they have the same birthday but uh so bottom line what happened is virgil wants power in in D dmc3 and dante wants to stop him and Man, what a strange video game character i know right <laughs> <laughs> at any point does he ever say do you know what your problem is dante? Yes. does he ever say you and me are a lot of like twin brother we're two sides of the same coin that was minted at the same time so virgil wants power etc yes it's a very stereotypical setup at the yeah. end of dmc3 spoilers Dante beats Virgil, and Virgil goes and challenges Mundus, the, the big bad of the demon world, by himself. Uh, he fails. He gets brainwashed and enslaved and put into a suit of armor to become Nero Angelo, and Dante kills him. And this is not the end of their rivalry. I don't want to be too spoilery, but it does continue into later games. That day, if our positions were switched... 
would our fates be different? Would I have your life and you mine? Let's settle this. Dante. No, he wouldn't have the same lives because Virgil is so much more uptight. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he's so much I mean, more uptight than Dante. I don't think you need to worry about spoiling it, Michael, when there's literally a version of Devil May Cry 5 that's called Devil May Cry 5 plus Virgil. So yeah, I think, fair enough. Fair I think enough. they spoiled it for us. Yeah, no, but, but he, he is, you guys are talking about, like, hey, we're two sides of the same coin. He He's supposed to sort of be. Like, they're both mm-hmm. the sons of Sparta. Like, they're both half demon. And Dante kind of is supposed to have embraced his human side, and he only brings out the demon when he needs it, versus Virgil is like fully embraces the demon side he's like you know what fuck humanity i want power i'm the ultimate i want to really explore this demon side of myself mm. and so they they are meant to be similar but different in that regard plus they're the classic uh, player one and two colors that uh virgil's coat that? is bright blue dante's is bright red uh and also virgil in dmc the the sort of reimagining of devil may cry uh wears a really dumb little trilby hat for reasons that escape me, but uh, he's also. But God forbid you'd give one of them black hair. Holy yeah. oh, shit! Oh no! <laughs> I believe he's also the final fight in that one. Oh, hold yeah. on, hold uh, on. Yeah, yeah, black hair for part of the game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, I know. that's true. For most of it, most of it, not counting the bit where the mop falls on his head. Never in a million years. White wig. Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh-huh. That was that uh, hard. Oh work boy! That uh. pissed people off so bad. But so, yes, so again, Virgil starts off as a recurring mini boss, becomes the big boss in three because he and Dante team up to defeat uh, Arkham, the, the quote unquote final boss. Look at you, making a big dramatic entrance and stealing my spotlight. What? You don't possibly believe that he deserves to be our main event now, do you? Now that you mention it. You're right. So yeah, they team up, beat him, and then they fight each other because that's what brothers do. That's yeah. kind of their their whole dynamic. It's like they will always fight each other unless there's someone else that needs fighting more, and and then right. they'll they'll uh, join join forces, and then they'll revert to fighting each other again. It's it's like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. <laughs> sure, fight forever mm-hmm. together. <laughs> Fair enough. And Virgil also got after DMC. There was a DLC. Yep. The DMC mm. DLC, where you <laughs> play right. the part as as Virgil, which I imagine that the topic of DLC where you play as the final boss has been <laughs> done already on VGA. Let's see episode I'm not sure four. That it has. <laughs> four. I'm not nine. sure that it play through the game as the final boss. <laughs> you might be right. Yeah, and I, I just made up that number. By the I way. just remember I couldn't help but remarking like, "Hey, that that I was working on DMC." Uh, it was a Ninja Theory game, so that's mm-hmm. reason probably number one that series will never be followed up on because that is no longer a studio that works on anything but Microsoft. They're owned by Microsoft now, um, so. But they, they at the time they specialized in mocap and like real great digital performances, and I played a little, and then when I saw Virgil, I'm like, do do they know Virgil is a way better actor than Dante? Like, th- <laughs> this guy's amazing. Like as far as like a digital character performance goes. Holy shit, is he good? I thought he was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a very fun character. 
I mean, the actor. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. remember his name, but like. No, I mean, it's a fun performance of the character. Yeah, it's great. He's, he's really engaging. And, you know, the, the thing is, every other time that shit. Virgil shows up, they're all like, oh, it's you again. Let's fight. And in this one, he's just like, I'm going to show you everything. I'm like Willy Wonka introducing you to a secret world. And together <laughs> we're going to accomplish so much. And it's like, oh, but you. You crave power over humans, brother. We can no longer be friends. We have to fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's it's kind of astonishing that like a somewhat understated performance can steal the game from a from a game where you fight like a cursing demon yeah, and a giant you. fox news head. Yeah, uh, the giant fox news head was so great. Bob Barbus, <laughs> yeah, Bob Barbus, <laughs> fucking great. Like the the pseudo Bill O'Reilly boss fight is amazing. <laughs> All right, well that just leaves us with. It's obvious. Brother, it's been too long. <laughs> That's what she said. Liquid. Rejoice! We're not copies of our father, after all. <laughs> oh, les enfants terribles. <laughs> uh-huh. I'd forgotten about one of the most ridiculous moments from this game, which, by the way, is Metal Gear Solid 4. When you are fighting Ocelot in Alaska, and there's a moment where, like, you, you, this is such a perfect moment to bring the series full circle. Oh, you're fighting where Metal Gear Solid 1 took place, and you're both in Metal Gears, and Ocelot seems to die, and then he, like, gets up, and he's like, nope! And then he, like, just runs toward the shoreline, <laughs> and a gigantic submarine with, like, Mount Rushmore heads of Les Enfants Terribles and Big Boss just comes up out of the water and he <laughs> hops onto it and leaves. Metal Gear Solid is one of the most wonderfully ridiculous series ever created. And this character, Revolver Ocelot, just shows up in Metal Gear Solid as kind of a throwaway character. Like, oh, the cowboy who's obsessed with this particular revolver for whatever reason this is the greatest handgun ever made the Colt single action army six bullets more than enough to kill anything that moves now I'll show you why they call me revolver it's because I like to talk about revolvers <laughs> I think, was it three where they explained why? Mm-hmm. And if, he, if he were introduced today, he'd be AR-15 Ocelot. Oh, stop. <laughs> Far and away. He'd still be yeah. I, I, I just liked it when he's Shalashashka. You'll I... never guess what my favorite Beatles album is. <laughs> <laughs> Rubber Soul! <laughs> it's actually Help. I love Help. Help is good. <laughs> uh, uh, anthology Ocelot. <laughs> no, but is it at three where it was Big Boss who gives him the tip? He's like, "Hey, you're you're moving your hand a certain way. You should use a revolver yes. instead." So of a- what it is is I, I I have a clip here. What is that stance? Huh? That gun. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not the boss, then die. So he likes to do gun tricks with his little Makarov automatic pistol. And he does this thing where he like flips it up in the air and points it at Big Boss and he pulls the trigger. But because he did that flip, the bullet is jammed in the chamber. 
and it won't fire. And Big Boss disarms him easily. Uh, and tells him, like, oh, a revolver would be better for your style. And yeah. then he, like, comes in with a revolver, and it's like, okay, this is better, but it's got all these bullshit engravings. Maybe don't use those, because uh, <laughs> they don't give you a tactical advantage. He, he's got the most sordid history with all the various snakes in mm -hmm. this game. Like, he hates Solid Snake, so, mm -hmm. like, I guess the quote-unquote son of Boss, right, of, of Naked Snake, he's, like, been the... He's a right-hand man of Liquid and Solidus Snake. He sort of mentors Venom Snake in Five. Like, uh -huh. he's just been all over the board with the various he, snakes. He may he's... want to fuck uh, Big Boss. <laughs> it, it's way, that's heavily liquid, implied. Yeah. You could say Liquid Snake is his right-hand man at a certain point. Except Ooh. I'm not sure which hand it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the right one. You're oh, right. it is. You're correct. So, yes, the weird history of this character that he, he he's like a, a, a major in the Gru who's also, he's been like a double or triple or quadruple agent his entire career, um, meets Big Boss, Naked Snake, uh, during Metal Gear Solid 3, gets taught a few lessons. Then Metal Gear Solid 5, he becomes the boss's right hand and like, I'll just stay at your base and train all your troops and, uh, you know, well, him and Cos Miller, but yeah, and I'm going to impart the same lessons to them that you did to me. And I talk like this now for some reason, voiced by <laughs> Troy Baker instead of Josh mm -hmm. Keaton. Mm -hmm. Engravings give you no tactical advantage whatsoever. There was some fancy shooting. Pretty good. And then uh, by the time Metal Gear Solid rolls around, He's basically turned into John Carpenter, uh, but with like a cowboy <laughs> motif. And he gets his hand cut off, comes back in Metal Gear Solid 2, having had Liquid Snake's hand grafted onto his stump. And uh, now, but because it's Metal Gear, Liquid is taking over my mind through his <laughs> dead hand. And he becomes Liquid Ocelot by the end of it. And then, yes, Metal Gear Solid 4 rolls around, and he's just... Totally leaning into, like, yes, I'm Liquid Snake, haha, ha, I've completely taken over this old man, and everyone believes him because it's Metal Gear. I love that the the climax of this game is a cutscene heavy hand to hand battle between two old men, one of whom is just completely topless, and uh, they just beat the shit out of each other, and then the magic happens. I am Liquid's doppelganger, and you are his. Just. Like your father. <laughs> You're pretty good. You're pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> gotta, gotta recall all that. You're pretty good. Times. You're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> That's like the, the less enthusiastic ending of Evangelion. Hmm. <laughs> Shinji, you're pretty good. You're pretty 
<laughs> pretty good. And everyone's just making gun fingers <laughs> instead of applauding. Slow claps, like, you're pretty good. Quality yeah. reference, because these are both anime. Yeah. <laughs> anime I, I had to, AF. I had to look up, by the way, like, well, how does Liquid Snake take over? And, of course, because Metal Gear fucking nanobots are to blame. Nanomachines, like, that's... When in doubt with Metal Gear, just say nanobots, and that's usually the reason for stuff. Like, there was speculation, because he's technically the son of one of the former... No, not boss. Okay, it's hard to say boss for the Metal Gear game. One of the former bosses you fight, like the medium. So, like he's he's like the son of the psychic who can commute with the yeah, dead. Yeah, he's right? he's the son of the sorrow and the, the sorrow. That's what it and is. And the boss. So right, big big boss, naked snake's mentor is yeah, Revolver Ocelot's mother. Uh, she and him do not know this about each other. They were he was taken away and given to the. Uh, not the Patriots, the the people before the Patriots. I'm I'm getting fuzzy on the chronology, but uh, yeah, they were separated. It's he was raised here. apart from her. But yeah, he's he's uh, they're all, they're all pawns in a massive conspiracy spanning decades. The philosophers, I think, was the the precursor. That's, to the yeah, yeah, Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a recent meme that could not be more accurate. It's like. Um, People who dislike Kingdom Hearts is like, wow, that plot's so ridiculous, doesn't make any sense, how fucking mm-hmm. dumb. And it's like, the same same people with Metal Gear, like, this plot's so ridiculous, doesn't make any sense, I fucking love this. Because yeah, like, yeah, that- they mentioned the Cold War instead of Little Mermaid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this makes me feel smart and educated yeah. instead on of the, dumb. On that note, do they explain why that, like, in 3, he's like a Russian soldier, mm-hmm. but, but then by the time you get to, like, 1 and 2, he's like, uh, like, Sam Elliott, like, Big mustache, kind of yeah. Kinda yeah I don't, southern guy, Metal Gear. Yeah, I don't know. Other than he's <laughs> he's very talented. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you eat the Metal Gear. Sometimes the Metal Gear it eats you. Hope Kiefer Sutherland's <laughs> still out there. <laughs> I mean, he's he's basically been raised from birth to be a spy. So like he can yeah. probably just slip through different accents at will. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, the reason he can have a mustache is he can grow a mustache, Dave. That one is pretty pretty easy to figure out. Na- nano machines, nanobots. Yeah. It's a nano mustache. What? Here we go. Let go. I kind of hate talking about this story. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess we can bring this to a close. But uh, yes, so he he went from being a an interesting flunky to being the the big boss of Metal Gear Solid Four to being a friend. And isn't that what we all really want from these bosses? Hugh Golden Girls outro, and we're out. I think technically he's the last thing you sort of fight in three. He's not the final boss who is the boss in three, but like you fight him in a cutscene, I think, at the end of three, and, and then and then the game ends. Maybe the, like, the big bad in three is Volgan. He comes after you with the the Metal Gear Shagahod, and. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, but, there's a 50 50 chance in a Metal Gear game that the last, last thing you face is just a giant robot. Yeah, yes. it's usually yeah. a giant robot. As Brett would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, the, the boss name. of Metal Gear is usually Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, but let's wrap this up. Uh, that's been our upjumped bosses from mini boss to big boss. Uh, so we're going to take a little break and uh, we're going to lose Dave for the second segment. What? So, Dave, is there, is there anything <laughs> that you want to tease before you go? Nothing to tease. Unplugged? Just, you know, follow me at Dave Rudden on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll come back soon. All right. Thank you so much for coming back on. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, on that note, we're going to go out with uh, Matapoe by Samba Sunda from Cabaret, one of this week's new releases. And uh, take a little break. Come right back. Stay tuned. Here you are.
let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. 1978, they're shooting Superman 1 and Superman 2 back-to-back. I'm kind of becoming comic-obsessed in the early to mid-80s. I think Superman 3 is on the verge of coming to video, but basically I could just rent the first two over and over again. So I watch those over and over and over again. And to me, they they warm my heart. And by the time the Donner cut came out in, what are we talking, 06? Coin- 06, I think, yeah. To coincide. Like, I watched it and, like, you know, I read this is technically better. I was a little kid. I didn't know what happened. I didn't want this version. It. I felt nothing when I saw it because, like, this is just not the nostalgic version I have for Superman. And Steve has an, an experience I'd like to talk about. It's hard to call any of these movies good because they're all bad and pee in the eye of Superman and, and everything you know about it. Okay, okay. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our Daveless second segment where oh. we will waste no Daves in daving straight into that <laughs> Davement known as. <laughs> Matt hated that joke because he wasn't in on the original inside joke. That's true. I really, <laughs> really feel like we just got stuck in a redden with that, with those jokes, Michael. All right. So tell me about Mighty Doom. Uh, Mighty Doomber 5, 9, sorry. I, I wish Dave was around for this one, because he's the only guy here. I'm like, you actually, what did I tell you guys? Like, I don't like this game, but I think Dave might, because he's a big Enter the Gungeon guy. So this is a Doom game. It's on mobile devices. It's free to play. And I think that's part of the why I don't like it, is all the free-to-play bullshit that comes with it. But it's it's a roguelike. It's not a twin-stick shooter, because you, you can only control it with one thumb. So, so you, you just- play as Doom guy. And so it's an you... auto shooter where okay. you and so you know, instead of the right stick like in Enter the Gungeon, saying this is which direction I fire in. Vampire you, survivors. You, it's sort of like vampire survivors, but it, you know, Doom guy will turn in the direction of enemies, and that's part of the problem I have with the game is like mm. it kind of just turns toward the closest enemy by default, and sometimes you don't want to do that. But it's basically a bullet hell roguelike where you are Doom guy and you're trying to destroy waves of demons, um, and a little bit like Enter the Gungeon, like as you go through the levels and kill demons and stuff, like you will unlock power ups that kind of with each run that you're on, you know, you'll you'll try to create the ultimate build, right? Like a Hades or something like that. Um, so in theory, I'm like on paper, this sounds great. It's just strike one for me with mobile okay. games is anything that uses the thumbstick control thing. I'm out. I've I. I I know it works yeah. way better than it used to. I hate it. I fucking I'd rather tap on it. a screen. I don't like thumbstick controls, like made up made up controls. Oh like, shit! It's, is it a ver- it's a vertical only game? Vertical well. only game meant to hold with one hand. You control Doom Guy with one thumb. Like that's the game. It shoots automatically. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you'll you'll kill enough enemies. You get a power up. There's there's the you know from the Doom remake. What was it? 2015 or whatever. There's the power kills where if you weaken some enemies, they'll be flashing there. You go up to them. You do a a br- a brutality or whatever the fuck they call it in the Doom universe and you get health back and stuff like that, right? And, and every once in a while 
you'll go through uh, a level and there'll be a portal there and there's like a guy that offers you, hey, I'll either heal you or you get another upgrade, right? Uh, okay, cool. Take that. And, it, and it's meant to be based, you know, it's run based, right? It's a roguelike. But because it's a mobile game free to play, there's there's some free to play mechanics in there and shit. And it's just like, I don't know, like, like personally, I'm just like, I I haven't really been into mobile games in a while now. I just I don't have mm-hmm. other than puzzle games. Like I don't have much patience for well, mobile Marvel games. Snap. Marvel Snap's good. Marvel Snap, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's a good game. Um, yeah, I just I don't see myself sitting there and playing this game for very long. Maybe on the shitter occasionally. I don't know. But uh, and, and how about this for the 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 other weird thing? I have the capability and almost I spend more time in my house than out of it. So mobile gaming has little necessity. But even if I'm on the shitter, via Game Pass, I can play every Doom ever on my it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Why would I play this one? Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like this came out, though. It's it's weird because this is a Bethesda game. This is a Microsoft first-party game. Yeah. Very little fanfare for this thing. You know, I saw... I tried Because I tried to look it up because I thought, is, is Mighty like a reference to the company developing it? Are we going to see Mighty Prey... <laughs> mighty Fallout. It's the sequel to Mighty, mighty Aphrodite. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> Mighty Joe Young. It's the prequel to Mighty Joe I, Young. I was um, just thinking like Mighty Final Fight, the NES Final Fight game. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. No, but Michael it's, already it's, made the uh, Mighty Number Number Five reference. So it's kind of a cartoony ver- looking version of Doom Guy. I don't know. It's it's worth a shot. It's free. Like try it out. See if you like it. I personally just can't stand the thumbstick control thing. And 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 no, I'm looking at the reviews. Seem to say. Like something n- under meh, <laughs> or what the reviews are conveying. Yeah. Meh, yeah. meh, it's, less than meh. Yeah, it's not Doom. Uh, it's yeah, it's and Doom. it's certainly no Doom RPG. One of the best versions of Doom ever, uh, yes, which was a mobile game. So, yeah, but can't monetize that as effectively. No, probably not. Mm. Uh, Sherlock Holmes: The Awakened just came speaking out. of monetization. Am I right? No, I, <laughs> well, speak, speaking of monetization Michael, through a remake of a 16-year-old game, Michael wow. pitched this to us as like, "Oh, it's a remake of one of the worst botched Sherlock Holmes yeah. games of well, all time. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> play it." <laughs> well, it, the original, like I, I think my level of excitement for it was really high because the idea of Sherlock Holmes versus the Cthulhu mythos is yeah. a really compelling idea if you like either or both of those things. Um, yep. And then I played it, and it's like, well, it kind of leaves the the mythos stuff as a little bit too ambiguous. Like, is this really happening? Are you hallucinating? Are there really right. elder gods? Or are you just fighting a crazy cult? Um, is this a Hound of the Baskerville situation yeah, where there's going to be some logical explanation? It sounds to me like a little bit like... Um, Professor Layton meets Phoenix Wright. Like, on paper, oh my god, sign me up, can't wait to try that. And then in execution, I'm like, I, I would have just rather had a yeah, Professor Both of these games game. have mechanics that slow the individual games down together. Yeah. Yeah. They slow each other down mm-hmm. a lot. But mm-hmm. So, the remake is is kind of, they, they really redo the whole thing. It follows the same basic plot structure, but like, the puzzles are different, the writing is different. Uh, they like, the original was very much just, like, old-school Sherlock Holmes, like, oh, elementary, my dear Watson, we're very stiff and uh, stumble around and uh, are, are very proper English gentlemen. And I am not drinking cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And and Watson is is just sort of a, uh, you know, a roly-poly older gentleman who uh, gets into mischief, etc. Right, 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 right. And, right. and we've had uh, <laughs> 21 years and several... 
modernized, popular Sherlock Holmes adaptation since then. So this one is... I was going to say, because if it doesn't have my favorite Sherlock Holmes feature, their text ghostly hovering above their phone, <laughs> how will I know it's no, Sherlock? It doesn't have that, but this is like a younger Sherlock Holmes. The, the plot is a little... Has a little bit more comedy don't, injected. Don't like, get me you know, excited with young the, Sherlock the, Holmes. The original, well, not not that young Sherlock Holmes. Uh, <laughs> no, no stained glass dudes coming after you, at least not that I've seen yeah, so far. Yeah. But the, the original game has like, you know, Sherlock is just staring out a window meaningfully and uh, Watson comes in and like, oh, good show, Holmes. I'm going to eat my dinner. Blah, blah, blah. And then this one is like, Watson wanders in and uh, Holmes is like standing on the bed and has used all of his medical needles to uh, arrange his giant conspiracy board and like, oh, was that my supper? I left it out to eat. Like, oh, yes, thank you. I ate it already. And uh, somebody wiped their ass on the newspaper. So I threw it out and... Uh, and, and <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and I was set and to enjoy my boiled chicken. Watson talks all about, you know, a lot more about his time in Afghanistan. And because, uh, you know, we had a, a war over there since then. But, uh, you know, it's by Frogwares. And they they have a thing at the beginning. They're, they're based in Ukraine. And uh, we, you know, they're saying our country was invaded in February 2022. We started development on this game in April 2022. So it's like, wow, they did this in a year under wartime conditions um <laughs> under a vibrating roof yeah yeah i'm sure uh good lord and and so yeah they they also slip in little things like so uh you you now have multiple outfits for Holmes and Watson that you can change at any time. And like, they both have these traditional, uh, Ukrainian shirts. It's just like tough and can't be beat. Just like everything from Ukraine. Like, Oh, good for you guys. That's, that's nice. But it, it, it modernizes the gameplay. It makes the mythos stuff a bit more overt. Uh, like there's less doubt that like, okay, yes, there's definitely something happening here. Um, and yeah, it's it's fun Something if you if you like the Sherlock games, if you like investigating and piecing things together and uh imagining uh like okay, what happened here? I'm going to go through several possible scenarios for each stage of this reconstructed event and try to figure out what's the most likely stuff like that. Um it's fun. Pish posh, Let me ask you this question. If you had to choose between this and one of your personal games of last year was a Curse of the Idol, or what was that one called? Hmm. Uh, uh, the Case of the Golden Idol. Case of the Golden Idol. I, well, Which would you choose? That's apples and oranges. Um, I think I think Golden Idol is still better, but okay. this this is fun. Um, little little bit janky, you know. It was a game I, made. I, I was excited to hear from you about it. It sounded like a case of a remake to re, uh, to realize unachieved potential mm -hmm. of the first game. I mean, so far, it's, it is kind of doing that. Um, I'm only a few hours in, I think, Chapter 3. Um, but it's like they take it to some interesting places. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to, to see more of it. I don't I So don't it sounds like it's rewritten. It. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not just like a remaster. Yeah, no, it is, it's, it's it is good... rewritten. And it, it's rewritten, I okay. think, with a greater degree of cultural sensitivity than the ah. original had. Uh, you know, the, um, various foreign characters seem a bit more fleshed out and humanized than they did the first time mm -hmm. around. Although if there's they... one thing H.P. Lovecraft's known for, it's mm -hmm. cultural sensitivity. Mm -hmm. yes. Although they do have a... All the dogs have normal names now. <laughs> well, I, I read a thing recently about the, uh, what makes Lovecraft so enduring is that, like, his 
Mythos was basically a crowdsourced project with him and a bunch of other writers. So you can easily divorce it from H.P. Lovecraft. You can remove all the cool mm. stuff from the problematic man very easily. Uh, and and in this case, it's, it's, I think it's very easy to also sort of revisit Lovecraft's mythos. And, you know, they have a thing at the beginning saying, like, there was a lot of racism back then. We don't want to pretend it didn't exist. So they can portray the racism without portraying the people it affects in a racist way mm. i guess uh but this is a lot to go through for a game i had no interest i know in. <laughs> i yeah. know yeah <laughs> <laughs> well uh you might have more interest in ghostwire tokyo then which is now out on uh xbox and game pass i mm -hmm. i man but it, it, it's finally hitting a it's now a bethesda a microsoft owned ip but mm -hmm. it's a PlayStation exclusive finally hitting PS Plus after like a year. And in the beginning, I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I love this. I'm like, oh, there are only <laughs> there are only six enemies and it's all the same mission yeah. types. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an empty Tokyo. Six yeah. of the same enemy types. It, it, it's it's got some issues, but this is it the does, second to last Tango Gameworks game before Hi-Fi. Uh, this is the one before Hi-Fi Rush, right? Mm -hmm. It's. Mm -hmm. It's definitely got some ex interesting things it's trying, right? And like, just as a guy who loves to collect shit in open world games, there's a yeah. lot of that. Um, well, I, I think it's progression is what's really fun and how you become powerful because it's very reminiscent to me of the last couple great Far Cry games. And like, how quickly you can get over an open world depends on like how quickly you unlock your hang gliding suit and your Spider-Man abilities. And this game yep. gives you all that shit. It's hard to do and you got to yeah. do the same shit over and over. It is like it is the perfect example of this game is one of the greatest 8 out of 10s I've ever played in my entire life. Uh it, it, it I wish more people knew about it because then maybe we could get a 9 or a 10 sequel out of it, but I think the ship has probably sailed on that. I, well, I think, yeah, the creative. So bro both the designer, remember, like, this game was famous at first because I forget her name now, but one of the lead designers sort of became a meme from, from yes, E3. Yeah. Something Ikumi? Yeah, and she left the studio. And then now, like, the founding, the founder of Tango Gameworks just left the studio, the guy, the Resident Evil guy, mm -hmm. uh, who became the Evil Within guy. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what that studio has left in. Although Hi-Fi Rush... From what I hear, like, I don't, that felt let, like let when they did that announcement, fly. that didn't feel like it was his game. You know, that was like other people oh, no, at that totally. studio. Yeah. Yeah. So Ikumi Nakamura is the, the creative Thank director you. you're talking about. This, I don't know. I think you may have mentioned it, but like the unlock menu looked a lot like Far Cry 5s. And Michael, I don't know if you did it on the podcast or off, but Far Cry 5 just got like a, what, a 4K Yep, 60 FPS boost on Xbox. Yeah, free a free boost and it's a, and the more I dug into this and like I should just be replaying Far Cry cuz playing more than 10 hours of Ghostwire is like playing 1 hour of Far Cry. <laughs> There's just as much variety. Uh. Um but but I still loved it cuz I love I love Japan and like most of it takes place in Shibuya. Yeah, it's a great and virtual tourism game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah especially like you know, if if you don't like crowds, guess what? You can experience Tokyo completely devoid of crowds, mask free. Yeah. You fucking Midwestern freaks. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a lot of Japanese mythology in there with the oni and stuff mm -hmm. and the different the types tanookies. of demons. Yeah, it's uh, it's. 
I I I personally enjoy the game. I love this just the loop of like, oh, there's like a cluster of souls. I'm gonna go suck them up into my weird thing and then go to a payphone and deposit them, and that's what powers me up. You know, mm-hmm. I don't so. want to tell you how much of the game. I've pretty much soaked up all the side quests. Like okay. every everything in the world I've done, I just haven't done much of the story. Yeah. Mm. That's that's so weird though, like the idea that oh you're you're sucking up souls into these paper dolls and then you're using payphones to download the souls or to upload the souls into the phone network and then as soon as they're outside of the bubble that is affecting Shibuya uh, like they'll turn back into people. They're just they like temporarily humans. energy form. Yeah. But there are some souls who are really dead people and they usually give mm-hmm. you side missions like, oh, I got yep. killed in this building. And that's what's baffling about the game because it's like 10% a fucking horror game and has had one or two of the best scares I've ever seen, but they're all in side missions. Yeah. The side mm-hmm. missions are amazing. Like the, they'll, they'll, like this guy's a terrible hoarder. Go check his house out. And like, yeah, yeah. this is, mm-hmm. this is a fucking nightmare hoarder situation. Mm-hmm. Or, or this guy, this guy's a fav- famous 18th century composer ghost who is jealous of this little girl's piano skills. Yeah. <laughs> figure, figure out why he murdered her. And like, this is amazing. Like the main game is just like power. Fuse, blah, like mm-hmm. whatever, like eight out of ten all the way. <laughs> well, it's got uh, demon cat shopkeepers. Need yep. we say more? Yep. Go check this thing out. Yep. Just and you that. have a partner who will say what we all think. It's like, oh, there's nothing more exciting than watching someone else shop. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, I thought it was a pretty great game, and it seems like a pretty great game. The majority of the world, one way or another, will be able to play for free. Yeah. I said majority of the world. Uh, maybe I should say like 40 million people have the potential to pay for the play. Well, and it's, it was also, I think it was added to the PlayStation Plus uh, library. So that's how, no, it's it's not on Game Pass yet. It is. But it will be. No, it is. No, it, it, oh, it is. It yeah. is. It is now. Yeah, it's on Game oh, Pass okay. now and it's in PS Plus, one of, one of the tiers that's in the library. But it's, uh, it's I, I think it's neat. I, I think it's worth checking out um, and it's it's one of those, I think Greg Moore said it was one of his games of the year last he year. He compared like it a, to to Metroid Prime, which surprised me. As I don't get that vibe surprises from it, me but, now. Uh, That's what it's like knowing Greg. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's well, it makes, it makes me want to go back and reevaluate it. Like, is this like Metroid Prime? I mean, other than like in Metroid Prime, you scan things to kind of soak up the world. Like this mm. game is li- you literally just soaking up souls everywhere you uh, go. They're, they're, yeah. I, I I do I highly recommend it. I think it's a a, a high quality game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Through. And and yes, if you have Game Pass or PS Plus and can get it at no additional charge, I strongly encourage you to grab it. Yeah, I think it's neat. It's great. But that's that's the world we be living in, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I the last couple of months, there's a new game out that has the same score as the game that is released for free on Game Pass or PS Plus that I haven't played yet. Yeah. Why I have not had to buy a new game in like the longest time of my video game apocalypse tenure. This is this is going to sound like a knock on the game but it's actually a compliment. Like this this game you called it an 8. I call this a strong 7s, but this mm. this is like a B game that mm. not many of those are made anymore, like a B tier game where it's just like, yeah, not everything needs to be a forty-hour AAA experience like this game. The B games are, are, are where gaming got interesting. It's like they tried yeah. shit. You know what I mean? That, that was not to. You can listen to Hi-Fi Rush episode, but it was just like this is what 
I don't need your $60, $70 experiences necessarily on Game Pass, but like a 10-hour utterly unique game that's hard to charge for, mm-hmm. give me that. Yeah, give me that. Give me something super cool and quirky that I can waste a weekend on. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, has anyone played Mega Man Battle Network Legacy no, Collection? No, but we mentioned no. Greg Moore. We know this, this is his favorite no. series of no. all time. No. It is. It is. No, 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 because I was, I'm going to say, because we're all adults. I'm like, no, probably because we're all in our 40s. Yeah, yeah. That's we, why we, we were too old for this Battle stuff Network. when it came to GBA. Um, but it is, what if Mega Man plus uh, Pokemon style RPG? Yes. Where, mm-hmm. yeah. A little bit. Either your, your Mega Man characters are reborn as Tron like programs. What, what I think is more to our generation, we saw something happening with Mega Man. Mm-hmm. We weren't interested in. And nothing in my body said, I need to give send death threats to the publisher. No. And to pretend this is a sacrilege and a yeah. slight against me that yeah. exactly what I wanted with this character didn't happen for seven games uh, with multiple versions of those seven games. Yeah. Th- this is what Mega Man did for years, and it like never bothered me at all. Nope. Like it, but it wasn't for yeah. me. Just thought, eh, it's not for us. It's not for me. Yeah. yeah. There, there was this interesting period where Mega Man, which to us growing up was just it's, it's action platformers. Like Mega Man went off and did some weird shit. There were some RPGs. There were these games, and Played it's like it all. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I wasn't I wasn't there for it. I never thought it was bad that it was trying those things. No. It's like yeah, I get it. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Have another platform action platformer? Like yeah, yeah make okay. another Mega Man soccer, you cowards. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I also couldn't play Mega Man Battle Network because I was playing two different visual novels that came out in the last week. Uh, first one came out last week uh, around when we were recording the show called Cabaret, spelled with a K. Uh, this is a game that I think was on Itch.io for a couple of years in like you know early access and finally hit full release last week. And it's really interesting. Uh, it It's... Uh, based heavily on Indonesian mythology and folklore. Uh, and the idea is that you are this shitty-ass delivery boy. It seems to be set during COVID because everyone's wearing a mask. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You're, you're, you're a, a shitty delivery boy who feels completely dissociated from the rest of society. He does not, Keep going. Does not have a good relationship with his mom and oh uh, does not see any reason <laughs> to... You know, I, I, I guess to help or to connect with other people, like, what do I care? Whoa! And, uh, <laughs> and so he, he's ignoring his mom and his mom is like convinced that he's going to be the savior of her people. Cause I guess she adopted him and he's not from her same ethnic group, but, uh, she spoilers for the beginning of the game. She, she commits suicide and he doesn't know what to do. So he just leaves the house and starts taking delivery orders. And then he witnesses a murder and a strange bird. God flies out of the sky and says, why didn't you help? Why didn't you do anything? I'm going to drown you now. And uh, then he's reborn in like this afterlife where everybody who dies uh, becomes a monster, like a monster out of folklore. And he doesn't Mm. know what kind of monster he is, but everyone seems to say like, you're still human on some level. We don't know what it is, but you taste like a human being. Uh, So we're going to give you a job in our sanctuary called the Cabaret where you make tea 
for monsters and uh, learn more about them in the process. And there's also like mini games you can play, like uh, traditional Indonesian things that are like there's one called Kongkak, which is like the Amankala style game where you're moving shells around a board. And uh, then there's and the the biggest game amongst Indonesians. Rocket. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> There's also like a marble game that you can play, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun little jaunt through folklore. Other than being a visual novel, everything about it. Checks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this game about me? Yeah, and and you're you're trying to figure out. Okay, who am I? I'm under some sort of curse. Why am I a snake monster? Uh, why does everybody? Uh, eat humans. Uh, there, there also seems to be some uh, allusions to the uh, Rohingya genocide because there's this politician character named Minister who keeps showing up, and she can enter the monster world for some reason. She looks like a younger version of Aung San Suu Kyi with like the flowers behind her ears. But uh, yeah, and and there's something about her waging war uh, like a genocidal war against this darker skinned minority in this country and it's like can't find anything about that going on in Indonesia but y'all are right next to Myanmar so I'm gonna oh guess <laughs> oh boy yeah. the Miami suburb Myanmar mm-hmm. Sorry, that's Miramar. That's a very <laughs> stupid local reference. It gets, it gets um, heavy, is what I'm saying. But it's, it's pretty I just, good. like, you know, I've been going through some depressing stuff lately, and my parents are like, you're just so smart and talented. And I, like a teenager said, like, only compared to you. You called <laughs> me to help you open your iPhone. Because <laughs> compared to you, I'm very smart oh, and talented. In a job or woman market, I am not. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just trying to make you feel better. Talk you up a bit. I know, I know. But I, but I, I feel I feel this character. Mm. I feel yeah, where maybe, he's at. Maybe you'll be, enjoy it. My grandfather used to say that, like, uh, you're going to be the best of us, Christopher. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're the first generation, all Italian, went to college. you got to work in... Everybody clear out. I got a secret. Computers. <laughs> Computers. This is a real story. Oh, man. Computers. And then he's just like, don't tell anyone. That's the future. <laughs> that's the future. Computers. Computers. Yeah. Thank you for knowing the graduate yeah. reference because that's what it – this did happen, but that I, I don't know if he was reg- – mm. yeah. nobody's watching the graduate anymore to know why that's funny. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, you'll, you'll probably enjoy Cabaret. I think it's on Xbox. Uh, it's it's part of the ID at Xbox program. Mm. So I will when it gets fucking Liza Minnelli DLC. Mm. Stop. Could be. Like, could be. Well, something that might be. She'll be in a wheelchair. It's but a it'll cabaret be reference. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> You're welcome. Exactly. Reference for no one. Uh, something that might be a little bit more speed. Tron Identity by Bithel Games, which uh, they, they made uh, John Wick Hex and oh, okay. um, Thomas Was Alone. And a bunch of other indie games, but uh, this is set in the Tron universe sometime after the events of Tron Legacy because they talk about ISOs and Clue. The game or the movie? Uh, the movie. Okay. <laughs> I get. I don't know what happened in the events of the game. I never played it. I heard it was uh, very good. They fought a new in Tron, the events of Tron 2.0. Hmm. I think the new server is called Legacy. Ah. It makes it very confusing if you pay attention to Tron lore, which I highly advise you do not. <laughs> it's very I, confusing. See, this to me is like Monkey's Paw the game, right? Because I do yeah. enjoy the other Bithel games. I do love me some Tron. It's like, yeah. you want a new Tron game? Hell yes, I do. I would love a new Tron game. It's a visual novel. Fuck off. Don't want anything to do with that game. I'm well, done with it's this. It's more interactive than a lot of visual novels I've played. Uh, it 
like it's it's constant dialogue uh selection and uh it's it's like a neo noir detective story where your your character is a member of the Order of Tron who like you're independent investigators and uh you get hired to come to like there was an explosion at this building and the theft of some artifacts and uh you, you there's like a big security program at the door whose hostel is like this is my investigation why are you here i had this on lock and uh you can say like let's work together let's be friends or you can be an asshole to him and like no i don't want your fucking help get out of my face asshole <laughs> then bit comes up to you badge gun table <laughs> suspended <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it, it's it's weird though seeing some of the descriptions like oh the the rain is so cold as you walk toward this building made of light and stone. It's like I'm supposed to be in a computer. Why do I feel cold? Why is the building made of stone? Um, mm. Whatever. I don't know. But but I guess it's, I guess the main characters are ISOs who are like the program life forms that form spontaneously i i don't remember clearly someone didn't experience well. tron the 40 experience at disney's california Adventure. thank <laughs> you i'm glad someone finally said it <laughs> <laughs> that's the weird thing this is the only thing there's no neutron anything coming out but the longest awaited disney theme park attraction in a long time yeah, uh, the motorcycle the coaster yeah, the Tron Cycle Coaster. And that's, cool. that's literally open, I think, to the public this this or last week. So that's weird to think about that, like, this, they coincided to open this around because COVID hmm. pushed off, like, Disney World was closed for what, six, nine months? Um, it's an existing ride in uh, Shanghai Disney. But um, yeah, like, uh, sorry, I did some Disney stuff this year and I've fallen into this awful theme park community and people have been wanting to ride this for like three fucking years. And they've, and well, the, yeah, the problem is the light cycles kept cutting each other off and exploding. It was mm-hmm. terrible. It's, yeah. it's so true. many casualties. Their trails just kept cutting off people going to the Tomorrowland popcorn <laughs> line. Um, <laughs> I, I fucking love that basically light cycle. It's just snake. Mm-hmm. It's just like the game snake. Like, yeah, if you run into any of this shit, you're dead. It's, yeah. Uh, Yes. Has but also, every time you do it, somebody dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 All of us, when we were playing Snake on our flip phones, we were just, mm-hmm. just genocide. The, Kill, the snake killing genocide. some poor program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, the, like first, the first two characters you meet, one of them is like, you know, I, I don't think about the users. I'm not very religious. I just focus on the programs that I can help nearby. The other one's like, no, you, who do you fight for? And you can say, like, I fight for the users. And if you do that, you'll impress him a great deal. He's oh. like, look at all my user uh, artifacts that I have. Big, real, real, like, real, authentic, big, actual question. I think what's interesting about the ride and it's only interesting. The ride's been around for years in Shanghai, but it's very clearly based on legacy, meaning it incorporates what I think is the most important thing to the Tron franchise now: Daft Punk music. I was going to say Daft Punk. <laughs> wow, that was I, know, like, I know it is. It, like I, I love that shit. It's it's the yeah. best soundtrack of the 2010s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it good, doesn't it doesn't incorporate. I, I don't think they actually licensed Daft Punk music. The music Does it that sound I've heard like is pretty good. Not really. It, oh. it has its own sound. Like I said, it's a new. I'm not very far into it. 
Did you see that one of the Daft Punk guys is out there without his helmet? Like now he's coming into the public light again. Dude, I woke I woke up and like, did I dream that Daft Punk shot a video about one of the robots being killed and they split up? That did happen though, right? Did (laughs) it? Daft Punk broke up. All I know is is there's a guy who like he's one of the members and now he doesn't have his helmet. A year ago they announced their breakup and killed him in in a cinematic movie. Was it? Yes. Like the last thing uploaded on Daft Punk's YouTube channel was like one of the ro- one of the Daft Punk robots being murdered or disappearing. Wow. Go go look up the the just look up like Daft Punk unmasked and I swear to you the guy looks like either Stephen Wright the comedian or is it Murray from Stranger <laughs> Things like the dude like Check it's pre- present? Not not no no no. Oh. It's he's the, the 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 guy who speaks Russian that is their friend. Oh That's right. The, oh the right. Gelman? guy. Yes, Greg Gelman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. From yes, it, it's not aliens. how you would expect the robot the, Daft uh, Punk guys Ryan. to look. Why do people park in a driveway and drive on a parkway? <laughs> that's Gallagher. <laughs> no, it's Stephen Wright. No, that's a Gallagher joke. <laughs> no, it's a Stephen Wright. Joke. I swear to you, it's All a Gallagher right, joke. Look it up. <sighs> I'm not. I mean, Gallagher could have ripped it off from Stephen Wright. I wouldn't put that past. Him. I wouldn't put that. Rest past in him. peace. I heard it on the street. It means it's public domain. <laughs> here's here's a windshield that washes itself. All right. Well, let's let's move on. <laughs> Everyone's on a muse by. You guys uh, know about this uh, Mario movie? You seem no, to what this. is it? You hear about this? Uh, it's apparently a very successful uh, oh. movie. Yeah. In fact, it is the most successful or the biggest opening, not of a video game movie, for an animated film. It's the yep. biggest, Damn. the highest grossing Beat opening Frozen. for an animated film. Uh, Beat Frozen. Unadjusted. Yeah. Um, Unadjusted. Chris, Chris, I have to tip my hat. You were absolutely right when you said, like, video game IP is going to be the next big thing. Because yeah. this was so big that my Twitter feed all weekend was filled with people posting the most embarrassing shit about how now there's going to be uh, an Illumination Nintendo cinematic universe. Like, why do you yeah. why do you want to plan this? Maybe, but like, I think the big thing for our demographic kids were going to see this no matter what. Like, it could have been you know Mario farting oh, yeah. on a log for sure. ninety minutes. Kids would have gone to see it. Maybe it but is. like, I haven't <laughs> seen but, it. No spoilers. Miyamoto was a, a consultant on this. Hmm. I think it. What's fascinating to me is to see where Nintendo's patience for this goes, because they speak a language that is not based on profits. They hmm. could have made money over and over again by releasing whatever game you want. They don't do it. I think they felt it was the right time to give it a shot. They found a good partner. I don't think Miyamoto wants to, to work. Maybe he, most people want to quit games and work in movies for one reason only: residuals. <laughs> Uh, but, but I would love to see how Nintendo, because this movie cannot happen without Nintendo's cooperation at this point. But if there's a chance Nintendo might not want to cooperate and make movies, that that could happen. It's very weird. I don't know why you're taking this stance when they just made $368 million in their opening weekend. Like this because is unlike some people, Matt, I've worked for a Japanese company. Huh. And I've wa- I have watched them swat hundreds of millions of dollars to the ground. Over things like integrity and ego, hmm. 
like se- like several hundred times. But I, I think they got to do this on their terms. Like Miyamoto was a right. consultant on the film. Like it's, he's a producer. Yeah, and so I, so yeah. By the way, the the other thing that's like the reason this is also so newsworthy is the last m- video game movie that did like huge, huge, huge numbers. Um, well, well there's there's been a few, but like Warcraft. You guys remember there was a Warcraft movie, right? Barely. But Warcraft, if you'll remember, only did like forty million domestically and did all of its then, business internationally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tore the ass off China. Yeah. It, whereas this movie, like I think it did like a hundred and ninety five million over the five day weekend domestically, and mm-hmm. then it did like a hundred and seventy three million internationally. So like it's doing really well with both, which really bodes well. Like this will most likely be a billion dollar. It grossing will movie and, and not not to throw any water on the fire it's just like the biggest animo- animated opening ever unadjusted you're still not past snow white you're still not past peter pan you're still not past aladdin uh <laughs> because it's a different world but yeah. in, in terms of like you know a movie ticket costing 20 dollars instead of 50 cents you did a great job <laughs> great, <laughs> jo- great job <laughs> unadjusted it, but it's still spectacular and I look forward to the, 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 the Sonic movies have been like just unparalleled greatness. Uh, what was the other? Uh, the Last of Us. Unbelievably. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the shittiest thing about my world right now is um, I didn't have anyone to see the Mar. I'm not crying. I'm burping. I was gonna say. Didn't have anyone to see the uh, Mario movie with. I broke up with somebody with kids and like all my friends with kids have seen it already and then all my nintendo friends are, who are around their 40s are like fuck that movie chris pratt and like god damn it who cares <laughs> like somebody goes don't make me go to this kids movie alone I, I can go into a fucking horror movie alone or a marvel movie alone i just can't go into this movie alone and i'm like yeah out of like the couple dozen people i i depend on seeing movies with nobody wants to or already saw it, it that's it, Strange to me. Uh, like, I, there's, I ain't seen a movie with no crisp rat. Not until I find out like what flavor the rat is. <laughs> we call him crispy because he's crispy. <laughs> crispy rat. I, I, I got to say, after all that controversy, if you're not seeing this movie because of Chris Pratt, you're a fucking idiot. Like, honestly, just like there, that yes. is not a reason not to see this movie. My friends who won't see this movie with me, but will see any other movie with me, and may host Paducan. Uh, are idiots. Now, you shouldn't see it because it's either woke or very not woke, and that's why it's uh, successful. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yes. That's and right. I, I, I don't hate Minions. I find myself like, this is marginally funny at best. What? Why is this a phenomenon? I, I find myself like smiling like, really, this? That's the only thing I have against the Mario movie. Like, I just don't understand the Minion stuff. And the, I don't understand the Illumination ascent. Because I think their Happy Meal mascot is ugly, <laughs> and the minions are overrated. But whatever, like I think Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong is the best thing to happen since Universal Healthcare, since <laughs> since Obamacare. Um, really, Universal Healthcare, which is to say healthcare provided by Universal I, Studios. Right, right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other one didn't happen the theme here. Park. <laughs> the other one didn't happen here. Yeah. So speaking of Universal Studios, that's that's. There is another announcement uh, that Nintendo had recently, which it's it's strange. Like Nintendo's sort of spreading its wings, branching out, whatever, from games. In that, in addition to the movie, and then they just mm-hmm. opened the Nintendo lands in in several Universal theme parks. Um, they just announced a live event, Nintendo Live, yeah. which yeah. is going to be coming to the Seattle area 
in September. This this harkens back to like the what is it called PlayStation Experience? Did you guys ever go to that when I was in San Francisco? That was like Sony's yeah. event. I never went. I know on. what you're talking about. It might be the one where Kratos fell over in his chariot. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, but it, it was just this thing. It was like, yeah, we just we're the first party. We're we're gonna host an event. Which, let me say, Nintendo's go- Nintendo's headed to Seattle from Seattle from Redmond, like, <laughs> which Redmond. is next to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, it's in uh, the air Seattle airport. Well, and, and Sony Sony did it in San Francisco, which is in their True. backyard because yeah. they're down in San Mateo. So it's uh, yeah. I mean this this is it, it's it's gonna they're promising it's gonna feature game demos tournaments um there's one thing that i always enjoyed for me three it was the nintendo booth like nintendo knows how to put on like a live show stuff like they do a good job with production and keep keep secrets more i think more than most other companies because they they have a much smaller uh north american division so the secrets are kept until about e3 the thing that um I don't want to say excites me, but when we talk about like, was E3 relevant? What, what purpose was there? The purpose was, you know, print lead times, retail lead times. And like having worked on the publisher side, a show in September to hype your holiday releases. That makes way more sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, like those games will be way more finished by then or, or yeah, they'll be pretty much yes. gold, you know, gold mastered. Here's, <laughs> This is just a me thing, just a me theory, but like, what the hell did Reed Pop do to piss Nintendo off? Because like, this is going up now against PAX West, which is like a Reed Pop what? show. Yes, like, well, I, fuck I, yeah, but PAX is always first week of September. Oh, wow. They haven't confirmed it's the same weekend or anything, but it's close enough to be like, look, if I had to choose between those two events, I'm probably going to that Nintendo event. You're already honest. making me choose between a Dave Matthews show and, and PAX. <laughs> Sorry, he works a... up and chooses Nintendo. <laughs> he uses motion controls all morning. If they're if they're happening at the same time in the same city, I mean, I would imagine that they're counting on some crossover. That's like, hey, while you're here for PAX, come PAX to Nintendo's the, thing. PAX would have so. the big convention center, though. Maybe mm. they'll rent out the GameWorks across the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we all know what happened to that from The Last of Us Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, true. The big monster took it over. No, I um this one's just so interesting to me because it came out of nowhere. I'm like, hey, I I thought most companies were kind of being like, hey, do we really need the live event thing with E3? And then all of a sudden Nintendo's like, Yeah, we're gonna do our own thing. We're just gonna create our own event. Let's let's uh let's try that. This is my n- impression of the Japanese Nintendo executives. You think we made our own fucking Mario costumes to not use them? Fuck you. We're bringing them to goddamn Seattle Bean Town, as they call it. Uh, <laughs> no, they, they do. Coffee Bean Town. these Coffee are Japanese executives. Town. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. The Windy City. We're coming in with our goddamn Luigi costume. God, your yeah. Japanese accent is spot on. <laughs> That's why Mario we sounds it. that way. Oh, Tony Nintendo. Bossy Nintendo. Tony <laughs> hey, where's Pizza Pasta? It's not been a game since 1983. My own. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. There he is. <laughs> so hey, I I like this Nintendo where they're I just do. like yeah I, we're gonna do our own thing we're gonna you know live events yeah. why not I do too I, I I will miss the um what do you call it the well the one stop shopism of E three but I'm not really in that industry anymore it can't benefit me on on the East Coast and and this is much this is a fan event this isn't an industry event this is straight up just like yeah we're putting on a thing for fans to come play it, play it, and try it games. was weird during PAX East Nintendo would show things that they would never show at E3 because things were more ready and we've never gone in depth on that 
but I think we mentioned it, like making a demo for E3 was like, that is a huge tax on our development yeah. team. And if it's a little closer than maybe making a demo for the public, which you do online now, you get to play a demo a month in advance. Yeah. That's way less taxing on, on, on the internal uh, publisher nonsense. So I can see this working out a little better. One of the other reasons this excites me, I don't know if you guys had this in your local mall, but uh, in, in Riverside, there were two malls. In one of the malls, even though it was further away, I enjoyed going there more because it had a World of Nintendo demo stand in the middle of the yeah. mall, which was literally just this a black monolith of like, you know, with Nintendo red uh, neon sign on it that was just like a block of like... 15 demo stations just sitting there in the middle of, of my mall like and not in a game that's where they though. i could go play the latest and greatest nintendo games like it was mm. purely marketing that totally worked on me as a kid it's like yeah i want to try out this game i'm just going to go to that mall to go see what they have there you know it was uh yeah i mean who who, who like i would say who doesn't want to play an advanced game and the answer is kind of 43 year old me but also, like, if I'm walking by it in the mall and I didn't pay a ticket, like, oh, I can check that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll indulge it. Why? Why not? That's amazing. Yeah. No, so this 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 to me reminds me of that era of Nintendo. We're like, yeah, we're trying we're trying new things and different things, you know. Which, yeah, let's, yeah. Actually, let's do like, didn't they always try and like in the Space World era? They always kind of wanted to hold their own E3 anyway. Oh yeah, Space World was a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They kind of reluctantly, and like again, when they'd appear at PAX East, it was like a no frills thing. But you would have demos that weren't at E3, and like we've done that circuit. You typically bring your same demos. And Nintendo was closer to holiday, so they right next to the luxurious escalator, they would show you Kid Icarus rising for the first time after announcing it at E3. It was very un Nintendo, and you could see there was some reluctance there. So. Yeah, I think hosting their own event makes more sense than Nintendo. I don't know if I love it, because I will still miss the all-in-one nature of E3, but cool. Still cool. Hey, speaking of companies kind of hearkening back to weird experimental eras, mm -hmm. PlayStation, gentlemen, is getting back in the handheld game. What? No. Well, sort of. Um, it, there, so it was a gaming insider... Or I'm sorry, Insider Gaming was reporting. So, you idiot, Matt. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So Insider Gaming was reporting that um, Sony is apparently working on a streaming handheld device oh, that they are damn. calling the Q Lite because, as we know, we all follow Q. Q says that it's time for Sony <laughs> to have handheld again. Um, when we go one, we go uh, PlayStation <laughs> Heroes all we for go one to the cloud. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's uh, basically all this is is you know. PlayStation has that um, streaming functionality, the remote play yeah. functionality, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a device that just basically is that. But I, I, I want to see this thing because what it apparently yeah. is is like the same shape as a PS5 controller, but it has a huge eight-inch like LCD screen on it. So like, so that's think like of a like, giant screen boner, <laughs> like chode ass boner in the middle of the controller. <laughs> think of like a Wii U pad, right? Like, but but that's it. It's like I mean, I'm old school. That when I imagine how I'd like to like optimally portable game right beneath the Steam Deck, it's yeah, a giant screen sticking out of my 360 or hmm. DualShock. But it's got all the stuff. It's got the adaptive triggers. Apparently has the speaker, like the built-in controller speaker. Here's what I wasn't clear on, though, is like 
So that remote play functionality sort of only really works well on your home network. It's it's like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, stream yeah. it from my, my same Wi-Fi and, connection. And then or you have a phone that can do that, and the phone can attach to controllers. So but, why yes. do I buy a new platform But, for this? like, if you – the second he brought this up, all I thought was PS Vita TV mm-hmm. streaming. Yes. That just downloading games, downloading – Hard download, not streaming, on a with a PlayStation controller for two hundred dollars. I'm in. Period. But it's not downloading. That's the thing. Is it's, cl- it's supposed to just be a cloud oh. device, and that get, that's get, how you keep fucked. it low cost. It's, it's just I'm on fiber, device. and I've tried. There's no great streaming service yet. Yeah, but, the only time I've really gotten PlayStation Remote Play to work well is through a hardline, like a LAN connection on my home network, where like I will stream to a PC that's near my PS5 via. Land cable like that's that's when it works pretty well. But I, ha- I have that, what what for my whole life have been unbelievable speeds for over my Wi-Fi. There are no streaming games that aren't like purely novelty. Like oh wow, well, I guess hmm. I can uh, look up Death Loop while I wait for my laundry to dry downstairs. <laughs> but like uh, no, not at all. Like streaming only no. But like PS Vita TV portable, gimme. Well, well, isn't that what the PS Vita TV? Or, well, I guess it you did download to the PS, PS Vita. Vita like was. <laughs> uh, PS portable, but P, what is it? PS Vita TV. It was it was just a download only situation, no physical media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could move it wherever the fuck you wanted to, and it just attached to your TV and played yeah. Vita games, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It was a console. Yeah. It might have actually used Vita games. Now that I think about it, like it the did. physical ones. It did. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it did it? I think. I guess there's I no reason not to put in a card slot. slot. Yeah. But it, it was does. like, it looked like an Apple TV. It looked like a, a an Apple device. Um, just a little tiny square. It could have had the slot, but it was just, yeah, we know people don't want to buy physical games on the go anymore. Why not be able to plug this in your TV? Everyone's mm-hmm. looking for the solution as I try and vamp. I, I know we use editing. And I should probably shut up. Uh, please edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. We'll do. <laughs> I normally edit you out of every show. It's well, thanks, uh, most people think just Michael and I host the show. It's yeah. really strange. It's crazy. Um, all right. Why well, we waste it, your time? <laughs> you didn't want to talk about Redfall? No, but we, okay. what I did want to talk about is something else. So if you're not into the streaming device, that's fine. Sony has something else coming out of the lab. Um, they got a controller that, well, Michael, you, I think you have a sound of what this controller enables you to do, to feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, it's a controller. So Sony has apparently filed patent for a controller that turns hot and cold. And I promise well. you, this is not a sex device. But when I read mm. the description of what it can do, it sure do sounds like it. Promise so, or do you threaten? It's not it, a sex. So device. it it enha- it promises to enrich the haptic experience Ooh. with the help of a soft, elastically deformable sensor components. <laughs> When placed, for example, in the front of the pad, the sensor will detect when the player deforms the controller by pressing, twisting, rubbing, or crushing it. Oh, it's uh, a bop it. Got it. No. <laughs> right? It just sounds like the bop, so bop it. it. That, that turns hot and cold. Um, it's a bop, but it's the only way to play pad upon four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, weren't we, we were just talking about that movie matinee and like how like gimmicks like mm-hmm. that sort of came to gaming for a bit with 3D and it's like do we really need a controller that turns hot and cold? I think it's gross when I pick up a controller and I can tell someone else has been holding it. Yeah, like, I, I want a controller, want controller that turns wet and moist. <laughs> 
What do we call I, I thought I heard Dan Amrit call it controller salsa. <laughs> I want a controller gross. that secretes its own Cheetos dust. No, I know what this is. Gentlemen, new res confirmed. This has had got to be the exclusive controller for a new version of res. Like, Actually, uh, we already had the controller that secretes its own Cheetos dust. That was the N64 thumbstick. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, playing Ghostwire Tokyo on on PlayStation, it was designed as a PlayStation exclusive in mind long before yeah. the Microsoft mm-hmm. buyout of Bethesda. And I could really feel the adaptive triggers. The haptics uh, are dope in that game because you do those weird like yes. string spells in, in your controller. You you feel this resistance when you're like winding like, up the spells. So few games take advantage of that. That it was, first party, it was jarring yeah. to deal with again, and also like, are one of my triggers broken? Because <laughs> right. I, I right. don't get the same response on the other side. And like, there's a part of me that just like every new advancement you announce for the controller, like these are things that will break the fastest, and that are kind of the least vital to my gaming experience. So I don't know, you know, it's hard to be mm. excited about that because. Yeah, to to fix my eighty dollar controller because it can't get up to seventy six degrees. Like, how much is that going to cost me? <laughs> One year into the system, I I guess what I like about controller gimmicks and te- it's like I think I've made this analogy on the show before. It's a little bit like cars. Like there was those commercials for a while. It's like, hey, the most important car- part of your car is your tires because that's the only part that actually touches the ground, right? right? And it's like with controllers, it's like, yeah, that's the only part I actually True. tactically hold is the controller for Rub the game. to the so, road. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, enhancing controller tech seems fun. I just, the hot and cold thing is like, I don't know, man. And and the deformable nature is like, wh- but what here's the, here's the stupid thing. Here's the stupid thing. There are more games out there with ice and... <laughs> Ice and fire powers than without. <laughs> true, it's true. It, it yeah. is so ubiquitous in gaming that. But also, like, am I the only one who gets a kick out of like? I know an event's coming up with a big monster. I'm gonna lie my controller on my sleeping cat. Oh, that's me. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, hey, she shouldn't be next to me. She shouldn't love or trust me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, if it. Oh, it's going to heat up uncontrollably to an unde- unspecified degree. <laughs> oh, where am I? Those thrills are gone. Hmm. How is this not a sex thing? <laughs> it's, it's one of those gimmicks, though, know. that because like it can't get as hot as fire or as cold as snow, like it almost will bring you out of the experience. Like, yeah. oh, that's their attempt at fire. That sucks, man. Oh, that's great. Like, You're like my pedi- pediatrician's hands. Awesome. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so dear. Anyway, anyway, it, it, I again, I like when these companies do experiment a little bit. Um, here's someone who is no longer going to be experimenting in the gaming field. American McGee is stepping away from today. game development because EA has turned down Alice Asylum. I, I figured he did it because of Bad Day LA. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised that dude's still in games. I read two articles about this. None of them mentioned Bad Day LA. No, that's the thing is, is these articles would have you believe all the man has made his whole life are Alice games, which uh-huh. is like, hey, what's with your Alice obsession, dude? Like, yeah, the, the first game was, well, was fine. Did, like, we talked about them on the show. Like, um, he wasn't. He worked on Goldeneye. Did but, he? Yeah. But like, but was 
but wasn't anywhere near the top of the food chain. No, yeah, he was he was like entry level type guy of Goldeneye, and like somehow pitched this game to EA that had his name in it, that made it feel like, well, this is one of the best developers of our age. But he didn't have that credibility. He only had. Part Alex. of me is convinced. Would would he be famous if his name wasn't American McGee? I like don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's it's sort of it's, part of his persona. It's like the fakest sounding name. Yeah, and, and <laughs> of all of us on this podcast, like Matt Allen's Madness Returns, like is the <laughs> the least. Oh interesting well, there name. you go, American McGee. <laughs> right, oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, there's Matty Allen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. American oh, yeah. McGee's. Uh, but like he's like, yeah, I pitched it to EA. They said no, and I'm out of the gaming business. But also, like, yeah, they do own the IP, and you don't have a lot of accreditation or your name associated with any other successful franchise. I admire you for making that choice and that stance, but I do think the industry might've made it for you <laughs> a while Here's ago. The quote. At this point, we've exhausted every option for getting a new Alice game made to which I would respond. Didn't you do that 20 years ago? Like, yeah. <laughs> is there really a need for another Alice game? Like, as I think, um, what was funny is just looking at it. Like Alice, the first Alice game was like, Jesus, this is a platformer. Um, no console, no no first party is greenlighting right now because they don't not really making games like this. Uh, good on EA, and no one addressed the franchise again for ten years, <laughs> and we just came up on the ten year anniversary on Alice Returns. Right. So that oh, guy shit. has made a game every ten years, and so I think he yeah, like okay. So the soul, lock, stock, and barrel IP owner said no to the only pitch I've been working on. I can't pitch this anywhere else. <laughs> well, that, that's what's weird is like if if I'm going to pitch an experimental kind of out there game, I'm not going to EA, EA loves first that. to yeah, pitch it. Right? Like, well, isn't Alice public domain? How does EA own? I, I they guess don't they, own they Alice own in Wonderland, that. but like I can't I can't go make an American McGee Alice game. Yeah, they own that version, mm-hmm. I would imagine. But that's huh, interesting. But but he is he is not only EA is not only the has first turn down rights uh they're the only company that can turn it <laughs> that can say yes that you can't take this anywhere else unless they like relinquish their rights to the ip or want some like giant stake in whatever game they don't finance uh yeah there's nowhere else he can go it it, it, it did I, I did want to contact you guys about this despite my weird ass day just because it was um very rarely have video game makers retired and kept retired, but I think this is one of them. I I, I hate to sound like I'm shitting on him because this not, quote, like he sounds he sounds beaten down. Yeah. Like listen to this quote, right? Uh, For my part, I have also reached an endpoint with Alice and game production in general. I have no other ideas or energy left to apply toward getting a new Alice game made, nor do I have any interest in pursuing new game ideas within the context of the current environment for game development. Like, this guy sounds done. This guy sounds my age. And I was like, I get it, bro. I get it. Let's go (laughs) work at Costco together. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Better benefits than EA. So, uh, sorry, American McGee. yeah, someone out there maybe will eventually have another Alice game idea, but, uh, it, but won't, yeah, it won't if, be him. It won't if be you American into it, he owns a, He owns a company based on that's has designs kind of based on the style of Alice, if not Alice specifically. Hmm. So well, still, he did that the, that grim game. Yes, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And 
building on Grimm's fairy tales. And that's it. <laughs> that's all that he's made. <laughs> well, some like Dex IQ and some stuff that you haven't really heard of. That's why it's Wikiparas. No, I'm just I'm just looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> it felt very of a certain era. Like it felt very hot topic. Like oh, an edgy take on Alice. Yeah, we get that. It, it, I don't know. It, and then Tim Burton did it. What are you going right. to do? Yep. 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 And it was awful, and it made me that and Dark Shadows made me think Tim Burton and Johnny Depp should stop working together forever. And then and that a, happened. Light yeah. plug: something I was happiest to talk about this week on thirty twenty ten. The movie that's released this week is the rise of Johnny Depp as not quite a movie star that takes him like I think fifteen to eighteen years to become a movie. He was a child actor really? in Twenty One Jump, Jump Street and Nightmare on Elm hmm. Street. And made weird movies that appealed to young girls and young boys, but was never a movie star until Pirates of the Caribbean in, 20, in 2003. 2003. And that whole period, I hate extolling the virtues of Johnny Depp's career, <laughs> but like the stuff he made is like so weird. Like he never played an action hero or a. a a superhero. No, it was like what's eating that... Gilbert Grape and From Hell. Yeah. Like, yeah, he he did Jim Jarmusch movies things. and Ed yeah. Wood and like uh, we're talking about Benny and June, by the way. Like, right, which yeah. is oh, a, yeah, a yeah, very terrible romantic. Uh, our, Jr. called it a manic pixie dream man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. I don't know, he's my favorite movie. actor up until pretty recently, mm. uh, and all the. Shit started hitting the fans, sometimes literally, depending on who you believe. Something but. about owning your own island makes you hard to live domestically with. Can't imagine why. <laughs> I don't know why. Turns um, out. Before we move on from news, I did want to say I forgot to bring up one little thing in new releases. Uh, Resident Evil got a free Mercenaries DLC. Oh, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake, sorry. Got that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can dive into three different levels as uh, Leon... Um, is it Luis? Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Is that his name? I forget. Sure. Uh, Krauser and Hunk. And, uh, yeah, just see how many goons you can kill and to extend your time for as long as possible. And it's a lot of fun uh, yeah. if you like that sort of thing. And I only have one other update on that because I told you that story. I went into Walmart and the poor stocking people who have a way better knowledge than the average person of video games doesn't see a game that says Resident Evil 4 and like, this is the new game. <laughs> if you if you go into Walmart, all the new games are behind glass and then have yeah. security things over them. Mm-hmm. I went to like the $20 and under and like, that's Resident Evil 4. <laughs> that's a brand new $70 game. But like, because it's Resident Evil 4, a game disc they've been stocking for 15 years, it's out here on the, on the please don't steal this rack. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, to be honest, I couldn't even tell you what the physical box looks like for this because I just consider this like a digital download I mean, it, type it, it game. It looks different. I, I know the RE4 box arts very well. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. The, but, but like, no, the average person's it just says Resident Evil 4 PS5. So it, they stuck it on the $20 discount. Wow. Shelf. Like wow. a ton of them. <laughs> are they, are them. they priced that way? No, I scanned it because, uh, like, <laughs> like please tell me this is 20 bucks. I don't have to, like, embarrassingly email my last friend at Capcom to get oh, a it copy. It looks like of. an emo album art cover. It's just, like, Leon it's standing nothing. there kind of pensively looking over his shoulder. I, I mean, I don't mean to. I'm sure there was work put into it and 
there's a lot of people who care more about the Resident Evil series than I do, but it's just like, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't, it doesn't automatically convey this is a brand new game. And, this, and if you've been stocking Resident Evil 4 for 15 years, how would you know this is a brand new well, AAA It's game? also that insistence on calling it, not putting remake in the yeah. title, it's just yeah. Resident Evil 4. And it was 4. next to, to RE8, which it, the biggest words on the box are just village. Mm-hmm. Village. Like, uh, and that's 20 bucks now. So is it's it right really? next to it. Wow. It's a steal at $20. Yeah, Buy 20, that game. 2021's Game of the Year. I did say somebody, this is neither here nor there, but I thought it'd be funny to mention to you guys in our audience. I'm in a local, you know, collector's, this is cheap thread. Have you been reading about the stuff happening with Pops? Yeah, well, yeah, the landfill and all that well, stuff. Well, it's just an outright oversaturation. And, like, if you go into a Walmart, it's just like, ooh, somebody bet really hard that the merman and rogue one characters are really going to be popular and pops. And, and it's like, it's still sitting there 15 bucks. And I, I scanned it with my phone. Like this is five bucks. Hmm. Uh, but it's in the, whoever could have seen that coming. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just the most predictable shit. Like since Funko pops got popular, I was like, Oh, this is a trend that's going to, but I I, I don't shit on pops just cause like, I mean, I love Bob's take on it. Cause like, the human ones are an embarrassment. But, like, for some of this stuff, there's never been merchandise of this thing I like that's ever been made. Hmm. Great. I think I that's have really one. Cool. I have a Stone Cold Steve Austin pop. Yeah. That's fine. That's yeah. great. I-, I wanted to buy the large Andre the Giant. I-, I love Andre the Giant figures, period. Because they all- anybody doing it right, you got to use three times as much plastic. It's a lot of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> to do an Andre the Giant figure. But, like, this whole section of pops masquerading as full price items are like three ninety nine, and the big ones are even cheaper but like the pop market is dying dying and it yep. uh and and walmart in particular covered a huge section of its electronics with it so it's go there well as michael said pick their bones <laughs> <laughs> i'm honestly surprised that pops have hung on for as long as they have like yeah. how is this not a fan a, a fad that was like oh done overnight it, it's it's so weird just because like when they make movies tw- animated movies 20 years from now and they want you to know it's like 20 f- 2015 they'll be able mm-hmm. to draw license free pops and like oh, i get it that's that's what was going on yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. the <laughs> big black eyes uh <laughs> yeah that's the era they're talking about you'll be able to tell by how many people like us ha- we all have a pop or two even though i don't Again, I don't love the line, but like I oh, yeah. love having what I love represented in a we, physical form. We have a Bing Bong pop from uh, Inside Out. Inside how, Out. how many <laughs> years ago was that movie? Yeah, who else made a Richard Kind action figure? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Although Funko probably made at least three. I bet there's one with the the guy with the mentaculus from Serious I Man. I have one Richard Kind pop, but it's only through the Brockmire, uh, hmm. the Brockmire line. No. Again, <laughs> it's a good joke, but like you're free not to laugh I, at that. I, but that's a, I, I don't know if that's not real. <laughs> yeah, he was be. in the third season of Brockmire. Uh, but, uh, yeah, never, there never could mind. be low winter sun pops for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, every other FX show. Just they recycle them from the Brothers Grimsby <laughs> pops. <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway. Land There's got to be bird notice pops, right? Like those. Happen. Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. It's your dad's favorite show. <laughs> yeah. 
My yeah. dad's dead, Michael. I, Jesus. I'm, I'm using that in a very general <laughs> term. It's everyone's dad's favorite I'm, show. It's my, it's my, just a bad joke. So yeah. It was an awesome that. joke. <laughs> just a very unmatched joke. Jesus Christ. Don't put that on him. <sighs> All right. Oh. Let's move on to the community segment, which is always... Hey, segmenting our community, last yeah. week's question of the week was, what's a dead gaming trend that needs to come back? Um, VideoGamePodClips.com, first to answer was Vocalik, who says, I don't know if this counts as a trend, but I miss memory cards. Being able to carry all your progress with you in such a tiny package was awesome. I know it's kind of obsolete now with cloud saves, but I think it still has its place. The Series X and X uh, storage expansion are the best modern example I have that they still have a purpose. I was able to pop that out, take like 800 gigabytes worth of games to a friend's place, pop it into his Series S, and then be playing in a few moments. Bonus trend with apps that are well integrated into games like the Fallout 4 Pip-Boy app that you could use as a second screen and affect the game in real time. Nah. <laughs> nah, nah. Don't like those. Yeah. I was with you on the memory cards, but not that. Not yeah, I was confused what he was talking screen. about, but I know like we talk and play games together fairly frequently, but like I'm pretty sure you can sign into your Xbox profile on a friend's machine and the cloud saves do they come <laughs> They do. Yeah, no, they will. I'm pretty They'll sure they do, you. but I've never had to do it. No, because I, I, I've done it. Like I've I've had machines at work that I've signed into with my account and you can download mm all the games that you own as long as you you know as long as you can sign in there and stuff yep. and yeah your your saves will come with you right. i think i think that's part of xbox gold there technically there's something they limit it behind i think that it's not a playstation plus yeah, benefit PlayStation plus and nintendo for save. sure cloud saves are yeah. part of that I, well the one thing that he didn't mention with memory cards that i did want to bring up that i loved was remember like some of them would have this unique ui where they had little either like app icons or like little figures like was it the playstation 2 or or might have been the dreamcast one of them had like little figurines that were like representative of that game save like some artist had to create a 3d character for that sorry i was i was thinking because like i remember if you've been listening to our show for a long time even when i was working at a publisher like i think amiibos are amazing like i'd rather bring this to a friend's house Mm. tap a thing and like all my shit gets loaded onto this profile that's great uh, and I don't want to put my password to my friend shit. Fuck him. <laughs> that, see, Amiibos never really lived up to that promise. Like, all yeah. they really did was unlock shit in games. But, like, yeah, if Amiibos could be read, read read, and written to like that. They do. I believe they do do that. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can like, save character progress on them. Uh, I've never I, seen a game I that takes that, advantage that of that. Their original purpose, like, for Smash Bros, yeah. right? Like, Yeah, so you could walk into a tournament and just, like, boop. Throw all yeah, your I've just never progress. seen a game use that feature. You know, like the coolest feature I've seen an amiibo do is I can call any Animal Crossing character to my island. Is you know, I got Rossetti to show up in my New Horizons world by fucking scanning Rossetti amiibo. That was amazing. Let's be honest. Our personal question of the week: When was the last time you went over to a friend's house and used your game data? <laughs> Was it 10 or point. 20 years ago? When was the point. last time you went over to a friend's house? It's um, <laughs> another question. It's been a minute for me, but I have the right. I'm catatonically mm-hmm. depressed. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Physician Chips says, question of the week. I really want to see them bring portable versions of games back. With there not really being a dedicated portable system, 
These have pretty much died. I miss having a second way to experience a game that I love. Albeit most of the time they were cheap cash grabs, but sometimes you got to look into a mirror universe and play an alternate reality of a game. For example, Tomb Raider Underworld is a standard Tomb Raider game, and the DS version reimagines the same story as a side-scrolling platformer, making it a solid DS game instead of a poor port. Tangentially related is when the Wii was around and you would get different games that utilize the motion controls like Force Unleashed or Ghostbusters. If they were to do it now, the place to do it would be the Switch, but currently, if they want to put a game on there that it it can't handle, they just make it a cloud version. How much better would Guardians of the Galaxy have been on Switch if that version had instead been something like a turn-based strategy game with chibi-style Guardians? Oh, I mean, yeah, you're talking about developing a brand new game, and I'm sure game developers and licensors are excited to that not to not exist. It was very expensive. <laughs> as long as the switch is out, the switch is out there and selling so well. Like it does have to be considered, even in 2023. Like the switch can't do even what the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck in general is kind of like taking that out more so than the Switch. But uh, yeah, it's fun to think about. Yeah, well, sure. and I definitely know there were some handheld versions of games that we probably hold in higher regard than their full. You know, a regular console Tony Hawk versions, 8. right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Full install says something more associated with the sadly ever dying medium of magazines, but I uh, really miss receiving a sometimes outrageously big promotional poster. I still have a huge collection of these in storage, along with around a hundred cheat code and guidebooks uh, that wow. came with different mags at the time. I think the most extravagant of which is a door poster, and this thing is enormous, of the entire map of Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green for GTA. I have never uh, been able to uh, find this online to see it uh, online to see if it's worth anything, but the level of detail and information on it makes me think uh, if I get it framed, well, one, your partner will let you keep it in the house, but uh, but I bet I bet it might be worth a few pounds. What made these posters u- uh, unique was that they were often images you wouldn't see from then on, being either early promotional artwork or made up of the magazines themselves. I miss those days. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I had I want I, I think have I mentioned this before? I worked at PC Gamer briefly, a, a, a place I loved working and loved everyone I worked with. In um. It was interesting, bring like talking to them about uh, pitching things, and the only thing I pitched to the magazine that I thought you should have listened to me more because there's no reason to own a magazine anymore. We would go to this. Tyler and I would go to this website called Dead End Thrills. Have you been there? No. Nope. It's a guy who opens up um, every game, mostly PC games, some Nintendo games, and captures high res 4K, massive, beautiful images in games that aren't part of like your natural gameplay mm. uh and, and like so like bespoke manual art the stuff i really miss about yeah but games. like but like a genuine artist opening up a game and taking pictures inside games and like why not just have a fold out of this in pc gamer like this not only will showcase graphics better than anything we do in the magazine because everything has to be contextualized with text a big giant fold out and I still go to the website. The website's amazing. Deadendthrills.com. It's awesome. Um, you awesome. can find your next de- desktop background there. But it's weird. My desktop background used to be Nintendo Power Foldouts. And I would buy a whole 
collection of those. I'll never forget, I had them all over my room, every single Nintendo Power foldout. And when I started, I decided I wanted to get laid, I'm like, well, I have to take these down. <laughs> but I can't get rid of them. So I put them on the inside of my closet so I could still sit as a 15-year-old oh, inside of my closet <laughs> and enjoy Mega Man 3 and Star mm. Tropics posters sure. that I really, really enjoyed. How I, else I, are you going to know Princess Peach's hobbies and turn-ons and turn-offs, right, without the fold-out? From <laughs> no, the- <laughs> no, I never did that. That's a liar. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was – I think that's – dude, that's something you can't do digitally. No one's going to print out a code. At all. Like, my stupid Disney reward still does that. Like, uh, print out your own poster. Like, where? FedEx yeah. Kinkos? For Do a, I own a printer? For 30, 35 bucks? Put a poster, fold that poster in your magazine. I might buy it. Eh. Yeah. I said might. <laughs> <laughs> no, in reality, quick plug. One of the most fun things I've ever done in gaming... Uh, will be featured in the upcoming physical release of Sonic Origins Plus. We have a reversible cover art that is so that is cool. like this bespoke type art where it's like, yeah, this is art we created just for this new version of the game. It's meant to look like a Genesis cover. It's, it's awesome, but um, but yeah, I that kind of art that I know, like, yeah, this this isn't going to be available anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really cool, and I can only I'm, I'm kind of envious of those magazine editors back in the day, either getting that art from publishers or yeah, creating it themselves or having, you know, paying some artists to, to come up with that art based on a game. That's that's really fun. It's not one of the main reasons, but one of the reasons I love buying shout factory movies, if you buying movies on DVD, they come with a slip cover. And that typically is the cover that was associated with the movie when it came out, the movie poster. And then you open up the DVD and on the other side of the art, you can flip it around so, you, so for me, it's like you, the slip cover is the original art, and when I take that off, I can look at this brand new cover made by an amazing artist of Shocker or <laughs> or Bill and Shocker. Ted, uh, like <laughs> the things I buy from Shout Factory. Midnight Run, like like beautiful new art of Midnight Run. It's fucking amazing. It's uh, like it's one of those. It's always one of those big sells on a physical edition art. It's cool. Employees, artists, everyone's bored by me right now, but I, I'm with you. Uh, full right. install. <laughs> uh, on the official Laser Time community on Facebook, Jesse Moore says, Just bring back Disney Infinity. That game ruled, and the figures were really cool. Running through Agrabah as Boba Fett and Minnie Mouse fucking <laughs> ruled. I, I have to agree. Um, yeah. That game was way cooler than I thought it was going to be, especially the Star Wars bits, especially like Tatooine. Uh, I feel like that was a precursor to like, you know, well, no, it was, was it a precursor to maybe Lego Star Wars, the stuff that they did in the Skywalker saga. Um, yeah, except I, I think Disney Infinity kind of had once they once they at least had 3.0, that was a way better game. Yes, so good. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Like, I had so much fun just playing around, like on this open world yeah. Tatooine playset, basically, mm-hmm. where like you could just wander out of town, out of Mos Eisley, and there's the Sarlacc pit sitting there with like a big warning sign over it, and you can just pick up Jawas and toss them in, and this the pit would spit them out. But uh, somebody let me know because those are some of the few things I have that are still in the box. I have, I've never mm-hmm. opened a Star Wars Disney Infinity. Uh, package absolutely worth it but. and i have several 
Um, shit, what was it? Oh, did you do you remember reading the article about what Disney Infinity figure ruined? Basically, ruined the whole thing. What? Yondu. Really? Yeah, because it was like this is the highest grossing, most popular Rotten Tomato score movie. Surely people will love a Yondu. And it turned out like kids and adults didn't want to buy or play as Yondu. And you can sort of see that. I mean, yeah, why would you? I don't want to play as the old cantankerous guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it was like the death of Disney Infinity was was attributed to Yondu. You can't predict what character people are going to like or want to play as. And if you, you're producing a plastic version of them, it takes like a year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I think I remember hearing something about along those lines, but using the Hulk as an example that mm-hmm. like when 2.0 first came out, they didn't have enough Hulk figures to anticipate demand. No. And so it took them a long time to produce a second wave of Hulk figures. And then they produced a bunch, but interest in Hulk had waned. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they then they had a, a flooded shelves with a bunch of Hulk figures that nobody wanted anymore. But they... You could only obtain Hulk through a special edition of the first Marvel 2.0 or Disney Infinity 2.0 Marvel game set. You had to buy the special edition version. So you had to pay like a hundred bucks and everybody was pissed. And by the time they released it, like the game had cooled. And it's, you know, something we're talking about off mic. Like you do have a certain period for your game to catch fire. And if you wait, you're fucked. And and they waited on Hulk. And Mm -hmm. by the time they did, it was too late. Um, and then, uh, Jeff Heaven says, I used to love unlocking really hard to unlock cheat modes or power ups. I unlocked the fierce deity mask in Majora's mask, uh, back when I was a free time millionaire. It was nice having a brass <laughs> ring to reach for in those video games. It's, nice. Is that, is that like a heaven for Jeff's or a heaven of Jeff's? They're all commanded over by the Dorito Pope himself. Right. That's true. That's true. And Paul Duffy, director of Boondog Saints, Paul Duffy. No, it's different. Troy. Uh, I'm the only one laughing at that. Great. Thanks, I guys. said it's Troy uh, Duffy. I acknowledge your joke. <laughs> a AAA turn-based RPG that's not a strategy game. A bonus if it's not full of uh, interminable cutscenes. I feel like there's RPG. Well, I guess not AAA RPGs that, that are turn-based strategy. All right. I mean, yeah, like most most RPGs are spin-offs of successful franchises or old franchises that old school dictates they do massive cutscenes and I feel like it's never going to win a new audience if they do that. That's just me. Finally, we have a video response from Joe Italian last name who says, "Oh, Hey guys, Joe Tan, last name here. Sorry, in the room this time as opposed to the guard. Uh, How dare you. I'm going to say a <laughs> dead gaming trend that I would love to come back would be video game magazines. Um, hmm, sure. Mostly because this is how the Laser Time community started. It's how we got to know you guys indirectly via your articles and how I believe you got some of you guys actually met directly. Uh, I still have some of my old video game magazines here. I think my favorite one still to this day is the Old Game Explorer. It has Stone Cold Steve Austin what? Uh, busting Through the Wall. I believe it's for one of the THQ Smackdown or Raw games. Mm. And it has a full playthrough of Soul Reaver. But yeah, dead video game things. Trends that I want to come back. Video game magazines, most definitely. Because it's how Laser Time really got started in the grand scheme of things. Talk to you later, guys. Stay safe. 
Bye. Joe Thank Oh you. is not wrong. Um, yeah. We well, all... quick yeah, question. Did did any of you guys, the original crew, actually work at a magazine together? Was there ever crossover? Mm. No, we, we we worked at Games Radar together and then we sort of split off some of us into magazines. Uh, Chris worked at PC Gamer. I worked at PlayStation, the official magazine, then Xbox, official Xbox magazine. I'll, I'll be even less diplomatic about it. We got hired at a game website to write game content, but it was still more exciting to be asked by a magazine yes. that we grew up yeah. reading to write for that. And sometimes it paid like what <laughs> kind of numbers, <laughs> like 250 <laughs> 250 words for this? Are you insane? Like, I write 250 words a minute here. Like, a <laughs> I remember when I started, they like they paid by the page. So you know, all, four pages that's 150 dollars per page. And then uh, they changed things. I was like, oh no, we're now we're just paying a flat 150 dollars per article. And like, mm-hmm. well, fuck you. There goes my payday. I mean, but I when I was 25, and they were like. Uh, like $150 per 150 words. I was like, I'll see you tomorrow and I'll write 30 of these. And, <laughs> and it was enough to get paid. Like, I'm not saying they were great, but I still got paid for it. Uh, it was amazing. And then it yeah. slowly went to like 80, 80 bucks, <laughs> 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. Make sure you play the whole game. Like, Go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> Meet that it. last yeah. boss, like, even if it sucks. I, I my, my biggest regret slash I should have done it was cover story for Nintendo Power. Like, I just want to write the cover story for Nintendo Power. Hmm. And it was for a game I didn't care about. And like, well, we got to fly you over here and fly you over there. And I love flying. I, travel is not like, oh, man, the travel. That's not the case. But like, this would have taken like weeks to do for a, a thousand words and like, Michael and I could crank out a thousand words in an hour. Like, like this is so much work uh, for all that. I can't justify it. And they wanted me to do it over my Thanksgiving break. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but, yeah, I never got to write a cover story. No, I did write a cover story for something. I forget what it was. Mm. But um, something about people our age were like, that was a big deal. A cover story. Writing a cover story. Yeah. For, yeah it's not something that exists anymore. I mean... Game Informer still exists and has cover stories. Guys. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's <laughs> it doesn't exist for us. Okay, it, it's it doesn't the last exist for people who who don't work at Game Informer. It's, uh, there are precious few video game magazines left. Um, all right, new question of the week: What video game villain needs to be promoted to a boss? Um, <clears throat> so my answer would be for Final Fantasy VII. I would like to see uh, Rufus, the the <laughs> head of Shinra, who becomes a secondary antagonist and then nominal ally by the end of that game. Uh, I'd like to see him getting up to some really hinky shit and being able to go after him in a scenario that where he's the big boss at the end. Um, that could be cool because he's a compelling villain and he's one of those villains is like, man, I, I really love hating you, but also you're really cool. So it feels kind of really awesome when you're on my side, even if it's just one of those temporary hero villain alliances things and we'll never really trust each other. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I like, I, I hate humanizing villains sometimes, but just in terms of like a, a narrative crutch, but, um, when you have an inexplicable villain, and I'm, I'm pointing towards Ganon 
or Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like. I hate it when they do that in movies. But when you look at like. Look, Donald Trump is inexplicably popular, but then you look at his upbringing like, would you like to live like, would you like to have parents like him? Like, no, no, I would not have, have like to have that guy's upbringing. I know you may hate him or you may like him because he pisses your friends off. Uh, but there's a reason to, as, as any to like someone to run the country. <laughs> but, but like, what is Gannon's problem? And to eloquently explain across history what Ganon's problem is. And maybe he, it's something he always runs into. Maybe wherever he is. And maybe it's not as simple. Because I think Mike, Michael was mentioning something about maybe a current video game movie. Like, why does everything have to come down to, like, love for my dad? My dad is over-attentive and nice. I, I, I have to really imagine him being gone to have any of this make sense. Well, I could answer this for you. Please. Ganon is the embodiment of the Triforce of Power. That is his entire purpose, is the, the pursuit of power and control. Yeah, and uh, but like a a person has to, a child has to want that. Like, would you, can you think of a young Ganon, like eight years, like, like, let's say three years old? Do you want the unlimited power of the universe or this awesome paddle ball? Hmm. With the paddle ball, like I want the paddle ball with the power of the universe. There's but a the, kid the, who wants the paddle ball. Like he had to be coaxed in to, to being seduced by power. Yeah, I think the, the question, son. though, is also um, like, who do you? What's a, like a secondary villain that you'd want to see promoted yeah. to the big boss? Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> Virgil. I don't care. <laughs> Cut out everything. Agonim. That. That's a good one. I, I have one that. Um, so. He's he's a constant nemesis throughout these games, but he's never really the the main big bad. He's more just like a pest. Star Wolf from the Star Fox yes. series is like because because usually it's what Andros is is the main baddie in those games, mm-hmm. but like Star Wolf is he's way cooler than the actual main boss. He's he's like a he's almost he's not really an antihero. He's he's a dick, but it's just like he's he's like the evil version of Star Fox, sort of. Yeah. Um, so it's really I just Wolf always thought O'Donnell. it'd be better to have like a dog fight with him, like a real dog fight as a final boss fight. Name is well, Wolf, Wolf Blitzer. Fight, whatever you call it. Oh, I'm so sick of this job at CNN. Y'all should watch A Fox in Space, the second episode of which just dropped after something like eight years. Yes. Yeah. Eight true. years yeah. of free, unmonetizable content. I know. Thing. I'm just saying that's a long time. <laughs> I know. And the second choice is that angry son from the Super Mario Brothers 3. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I hate lighting everything so much. I want all underworld levels. No, he's like he's like undefeatable. Like yeah. like you, he, yeah, no I want to kill him. the sun. <laughs> Fuck the sun. That, that sounds that, like the former even... president. Actually, I I want I want patches from uh from from software Carter? games. No, the uh, not not the Clarence Carter. <laughs> which is amazing, patches. by the way. No, uh, pat- patches you fight all the time. Yeah, he sucks usually. Yeah, but, but make him the make him the boss. Make him the big. Put bad. him in charge. Yeah, uh, why not? But anyway, uh, what is a secondary villain you'd like to see rise to be a main antagonist? Let us know. Go to videogamepocalypse.com. Answer to the comments for episode 519. Alternately, you can hit up the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer or ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will read the answers on next week's show. Anyway, that has been our show. Uh, let's go out some plugs. What do we got? Anything? 
302010, uh, patreon.com slash time and enjoy your life. 80s in depth, maybe? Yeah, yeah we all watch Flashdance for some reason, but it, yeah. but it, but I supremely enjoyed it because when we try and go back to like the early 80s, the 80s haven't started yet. It's the, it's the hangover of the fucking 70s. And Flashdance is the first real 80s movie, period. Like, uh, the colors aren't there yet, but the soundtrack is, and the style is. Um, it's really weird. Like, if, if I was doing a show to tell you when the 80s started, it's Flashdance. Hmm. Because we, we did Superman, like, what, two or three? Like, giant sideburns and lapels everywhere. It's <laughs> yeah, like, it it's, it's still a 70s, 70s yeah. ass movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Flashdance feels like the 80s are coming. And it's like two years away from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> so it's it's wow. weird. It's weird to look at stuff in that context. Yeah, I guess you're right. Flashdance even has like an 80s looking logo and like, stuff. Like I wasn't on the – I couldn't do as much of the show as I wanted to, which is any of it. The whole soundtrack, you'll recognize like for a minute in like I know this song. It's because they're still used in commercials to this day, but they only use the chorus. And but radio doesn't play these songs anymore. They don't play Gloria. They don't play She's a Maniac. Uh, they only play the chorus of it, and like it, it is em- embodies the '80s, and it's very strange that it's it's from the director of <laughs> Nine and a Half Weeks and Indecent Proposal, and there's you know not a lot of sexiness in it, but it's a a big brown New York movie with the 80s encroaching on it this is where the 80s starts uh, flash dance neat depends on how into leg warmers you are because yeah. man <laughs> so into leg warmers and it paved the way for flash beagle my most favorite <laughs> slash least flash favorite beagle. flash beagle is the most dated thing charles schultz ever wrote it's um, amazing <laughs> Every single the, it's it's the most of its time, right? It's yeah, very like, every, like wow. Every, that, he wrote also that, Splash Dance, the Disney album. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he wrote he wrote he wrote Peanut Specials in the nineties and two thousands that stand up better than Flash Beagle. But Flash Beagle is the shit. <laughs> when he jumps up high, he Flash flies Beagle. like a wild eagle. Flash, Flash Beagle. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I want to plug. Go find Flash, Flash Beagle. Beagle is the shaver. It is very good. It's no follow up to Snoopy and the Red Baron, is what you're saying. No, no I'm saying yeah. it's better than the Red Baron. Oh, Snoopy wow, and Leg okay. Warmers on a disco floor in yeah, like the mid '80s. It is way past disco. They did not. Get, Charles Schultz did not get the message somewhere in Minnesota nope. or nope. Santa Rosa, wherever oh. he was. Santa Rosa. Yes, it might have been Santa Rosa at that point. It's where he has his ice rink. I've been there. It's fucking insane. Stop. Anything else? No. Am I still plugging stuff? No. Okay. As always, you can visit us online at vigigameapocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse or follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Should we all take a towel break for how sweaty that joke was? <laughs> just, uh... Yeah, it really makes it worthwhile to make audio for this show. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>